listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since Everybody, welcome to the GGTMC. We are on the air, ready to dare I say it, rock and roll. Uh, we got a big show for you this week. We're uh, doing a review of King of Kickboxers with uh, the one and only, we should say, the one and only to us, the Carl Bresden. It's so Carl. It's great to have you on the show. Great to be here, man. Yes, and of course Thanks I have. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so of course I have Large William with me as well, but uh, he needs no introduction. He is the Jerry Trimble of podcasting. So. <laughs> it's funny as you say that. I'm looking. I can't believe I'm I, Don Stroud. I, you know, I googled his name. Was looking for a picture. Of course, he posed in Playgirl. Yes. There's these fucking nude oh, pictures geez. of Don. Nude, nude pictures of Don Stroud playing chess of all things. Very bizarre, it's man. Too fucking early for that. It's it, it's it's always too early for that. <laughs> Fuck. Nice, nice. Oh, okay, so post that on silver and gold. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Whenever we find anything inappropriate, we put it on their board, not ours. Uh, so yeah. So thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we have on the back end of this show a near two-hour interview with the star of the King of Kickboxers, Lauren Avedon. We hope you stick around for that. Trust me, you're going to want to. It's one of the uh, best interviews we've ever done. We've ever been a part of, and. Uh, yeah, we want to thank Carl publicly for uh, helping us set that up. It's just, it was a real treat. Big time, man. Yeah, I mean, I I was I was going to say during the interview, man, like uh you know, who would have thought, you know, back in 1994 watching No Retreat No Surrender 2 for the first time and, you know, some 20 25 years later I'd be sitting here talking to uh Lauren Avedon of all people. Yes. The Scott Wild. Yeah. That's right, man. <laughs> With a Y. All right. Like Zach Wild. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, now you just gave me an idea of what kind of music I might put into the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, so let's get into uh, what we've been watching, guys. What, uh, we always defer to the guests. So, uh, Carl, what have you been up to? What have you been watching lately? Well, uh, other than King of the Kickboxers for the show <laughs> this week, um, I caught Deadly Ransom, which is another Lauren Abaddon joint. Um, Brian James plays the villain. Uh does a lot of sweating and <laughs> coke, coke snorting and. Did and him and Don, speaking of sweating and Don, sorry to cut you off, did him and Don Stroud ever do a movie? Ooh, I don't know, man. I don't know, but if they what? did, uh, Columbia was proud or somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, man, we got a we got a set we got to deliver to. I got to see that film. I really do. I talked to you about that a little bit before we did the interview. Uh, I really need to see that one. That's one I I would try to cram in this past week. So. Uh, I have to get you. Yeah, man, it's it's a fun one. It's it's a little talky and um, it, you know drags in a couple spots, but um, you know there's some decent decent action, some decent kills. Um, yeah, definitely worth the watch. Uh, and then I had seen at least as far as like theater experiences recently, the place beyond the pines, which um, I know that a few people in uh, the community have seen, and I think reactions have been varying. There's a very deliberate um, sort of three act structure to it that is is going to work for some people and it's not going to work for others. 
Um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. The performances were strong, and the direction was definitely on point. So I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see it yet, but not yet. I want to watch. See it, yeah. yeah, worth the watch. I haven't seen it yet. But looking forward to it. Um, anything else? Uh, yeah. Then the last one. Um, this has been kind of a slow week for me, um, but it's <laughs> it's uh, the English title is Starving Eagles, and this is from 1984, uh, Turkish film. No English subtitles, lots wow. of mustaches, <laughs> uh, with with the internet proclaimed Turkish Bruce Lee, and oh, I'm going to wow. butcher this name Nihat Yagit. <laughs> wow. uh, nice. The main muscle for the the bad guys is someone who looks like he might be the Turkish Roger Ward. Oh wow! And he just sort of laughs maniacally um, throughout every scene that he's in, and they sort of like recycle the same three sound effects for for punches and kicks. Um, they'll start one or they'll, they'll start one before the last one ends. So the, uh, <laughs> it just like sort of creates this like cacophony of like, you know, sound effects. <laughs> there's like a lot of major league over cranking. Um, there's a great scene at the back end with two of the sort of protagonists fighting these red masked ninjas in a burning building, kind of surreal. Um, and then the, the other thing worth mentioning about this film is that they lift a ton of music from Goblin's uh, soundtrack for Suspiria. It's really <laughs> strange, man. Oh wow! Nice. It's, it's on Vimeo. I'll post the link to uh, the movie on the on the Facebook group. But, nice, yeah. nice. It's funny cool. you say that uh, the, an actor looks like the Turkish Roger Ward when really, in a way, Roger Ward looks like the Turkish Roger Ward sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we love Roger over here, so as you know. So, all right, sounds good. Large William, what you been up to, I, bub? I had an amazing. Oh man. I, uh, I gotta get off this this uh, Stroud train, man. Um, <laughs> get on the Trimble train. Get on I'm the just Trimble train. On. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a great week, but maybe I, I would go so far as to say it might be one of the best weeks I'm gonna have all year. Nice. Um, I started my week with The Dark Knight Returns Part Two, animated film from Warner. I'd seen the first one uh, last week, I think it was, and this part uh, is even better. I will say it's it's probably the best uh, animated film, like as far as superheroes go, that I've ever seen. Um, it's tremendous. My kids watched it again. They've wanted to because of the reveal at the back end of part one. Mm -hmm. It's probably not the best thing for young children to be watching. Um, a lot of the violence, thankfully, they cut away, but some of it they don't. Uh, there's, there's some kills and stuff, and, and you know, I will screen. Like I'm not going to let them watch um, Under the Hood or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard it's pretty pretty nasty but it's an amazing this is an amazing animated film it deals with a lot of mature stuff and even if you're kind of a casual comic book and casual batman fan i said to check these out because they're they're really tremendous stuff and this will show up definitely in my top 30 list for the year nice wow. nice very very good stuff uh and then i jumped into no retreat no surrender 3 as a rewatch um it's been a while since i'd seen them part one was one of the seminal films from my youth you know caught it on vhs as a young young boy uh, you know i can never forget the the, the blinding white light as, as the ghost of bruce lee comes in to train our, our hero and it's just because i was a you know bruce lee guy right as we talked about you'll hear later on with the interview with lauren so uh it, it was great in fact it might be as hard as this may seem, it might be the most GGTMC of the trilogy. Yeah. Mm. It's, uh, it's pretty, ama <laughs> pretty amazing. Um, then I was just kind of in the mood for something different. So I, I got in a run of, um, uh, down a fall in the rabbit hole of looking on Netflix, and they were recommending a lot of kind of 
art housey Mexican stuff. And I thought, oh, right, cool, cool. So I checked out one called Los Bastardos. Um, oh, yeah. I remember reading about this one uh, when it, before it came out, and I always meant, around to get, meant to get around to it, uh, but I never did, unfortunately. Yeah, it's uh, it's not bad. Um, forgive me, you know, as you two have been, I've been up for a few hours already. I'm, you know, it's it's late night and and all this, so I can't remember who who it reminded me of necessarily. Not a Gus Van Sant. I can't remember who I thought it was like. Now, oh, um, a bit like a like a Haneke a little bit, but it, to say that might overstate its 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 greatness. It, it's a it's a good film, but there is some amateur acting in it. Um, deals with some Mexican illegal aliens or some migrant workers, um, kind of the plight of them and some of the, the bullshit they have to endure uh, from a racist standpoint. And, um, it's, it's definitely worth a watch, but, um, it's not a great film. What kind of lured me in was that Carlos Regatis, uh, the brilliant director was a producer. So I figured I'd check it out. Um, then my kids, it was Philly movie night. We had made homemade pizza. And the boys decided they wanted to rewatch Paranorman. We haven't seen it since the theaters, so yeah, we we got back into it, and it's uh, it's still pretty good. Um, the thing I took away from this viewing that I did in the first one was how how pitch perfect and spot on the color palette is with what they were going for. It really evokes kind of you know that feel late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, that I think we, we all mm. love so much. Um, I, I still maintain that it's probably my third favorite animated film from last year behind Wreck-It Ralph and, and Frank and Winnie. Because mm-hmm. I've watched Ralph three or four times and, uh, you know, it's really good stuff. Um, then I wanted to throw away a bone and, and just kind of put something on that she wouldn't hate. So uh, we watched Heathers. Uh, I hadn't seen Heathers since high school. Um, it hasn't aged very well in a, in a lot of ways. Um, go listen to Mary with Cookish review of it. Interestingly, I caught their review after I'd seen it. I didn't realize they had reviewed it. There is some stuff that still works, but some of the stuff that doesn't work has, you know, Slater's, uh, aping Jack Nicholson is really heavy in this one. Yeah. Grading. Yeah. Oh, it it is. It becomes very distracting. And, you know, I liked Slater when I was younger and I still maintain that he, he was, you know, he had some charisma and stuff, but it's, it's too much. Um, the dialogue feels to me like it's, in, in the way I don't like Joss Whedon, it feels kind of like poor man's Joss Whedon. Yeah. It's, it's overly kind of showy and stuff, but there's still some stuff that really works. Winona's great. I mean, I think she was only 16 when the film was made, mm-hmm. so she's really great. The Heathers themselves are great, but you know, some of the, some of the high school stuff that, they, that was supposed to be kind of funny and witty doesn't quite hold up, but it's still, still good. Certainly mm-hmm. just, just, I don't think the, the late eighties, early nineties master, you know, high school kind of brilliant film that, its reputation has. Um, King of the Kickboxers we'll be talking about here in a few moments. Then I decided to stay in the motherland, a film that's been eluding me for some time, and I, I really decided it was time to watch it. That's The Silent Partner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Daryl Duke film with uh, Elliot Gould and uh, Christopher Plummer. Man, this film's fantastic. I yeah. mean, it's really, really good. It's uh, sort of like, a, not a heist film. It, it's just, a, it's a crime film. Uh, it's sort of like, I'd say, I sort of said it's like a Canadian, um, quite not quite as much of a, a downward spiral, but still pretty nasty. It's like the Canadian polite version of Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Um, really good stuff. Plummer is so evil in this film. He's just, just a scumbag, man. He's such a misogynist, and he's crazy, and it, he totally sells it. So, 
very good film. A lot of Toronto building porn. Like, you know, if you want to see vintage Toronto in the 70s and, and whatnot, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, on Yungi. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> then uh, shifted gears completely. It decided to get into Her Vengeance and M. Night Choi's Category 3 nasty kind of dark uh, rape revenge film from late 80s, maybe 89 or so. Uh, and it's got uh, the great Lam Ching Ying in a, in a, in a wonderful supporting role. Um, this is a really good film. It would make a good double with Ms. 45. Um, just to see that the, um, the, the way the two countries kind of approach the, the rape revenge material and so forth. Um, the fan finale is pretty astounding in this one. And there's some really great stuff with, uh, Lam Ching Ying. He's in a wheelchair and he's got f no legs. And the way they shot this stuff was at a time when you couldn't have done the Lieutenant Dan thing, right? With the CG. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's very, Bravo to them for pulling it off, but but um, Nam Choi is always a director whose films are are among the best shot in Hong Kong, in my opinion. Yeah, but him and Choi Hawk always do a good job of shooting their films. Uh, went to see Pain and Gain in the theaters opening night. Michael Bay film opening night. Who'd have thought nice. it? Right? Wow. Yeah, it uh, and I loved it. Um, it. It's got some <laughs> some big flaws. Uh, th there's a lot of jokes that fall real flat. Um. And it, it feels almost like Bay's being unintentionally meta. Uh, you know, it, it's mm. kind of that thing you don't know if you're looking at a picture within a picture within a picture. But um, the, the 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 comedic bits are a bit much, and the tone shifting is it's a bit kind of all over the place. But you know, I, I mean, I watch a lot of as we all do a lot of Hong Kong stuff where there's a million tones being shifted. So that didn't bother me as much as some of the kind of lame jokes that uh, fell flat, but, but still well worth everyone's time. The rock just kills in this film, man, just kills in it. Um, and everyone's good in it. Anthony Mackie's a guy I've liked for some time. He puts in a good turn. Wahlberg's good in it. Um, there's some really good looking women in it. Uh, you can't go wrong. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's good. It's nice to see Bay doing something for 25 million and, and, uh, it's it's good to see. Hopefully, he'll continue this trend for a while. Um, then a film, one of the big, one of the I think top five films I'd said I wanted to see this year that I was embarrassed I hadn't seen. Uh, Michelangelo Antonioni's La Ventura um, with the beautiful uh, Monica Vitti. Uh, it's it's a very good film. His films leave me a bit cold, unlike um, Fellini or Pasolini or. Some of the other directors of Italy in the time. Um, uh, Antonioni's stuff is just, it leaves me a little cold. I respect his films more than I, I love them. I don't get as much joy from watching them as I do from Fellini. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, did I say Monica Vitti? I think I did, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Okay. Good, good. Uh, <clears throat> and finally, uh, Takashi Mike film, The Uncool Cat had lent me because we did a swap off about five or six weeks ago when we went, uh, went to the theater to see uh, Stoker. We, I watched Big Bang Love Juvenile A, Takeshi Miike film. Um, man, this is an amazing film. It's, uh, it's, it's the, I think when he was kind of shifting away from a lot of the, the willfully kind of transgressive stuff, um, you can see the early markings of some of the stuff he, he touches on in Crow Zero. It's a lot more of a poetic film. It kind of feels like it's, it's set dressed like uh, Von Trier's Dogville. Um, and it also feels very Lynchian. Um, it's, I guess in three words, I would say it's, it's, it's beautiful, it's sad and it's mysterious. Um, a really good film that I really am looking forward to rewatching the way he looks at, uh, males and the male, um, the, the, just the men and masculinity and what that means and how 
thing, in events in our lives impact us and our inherent nature, how that changes us and stuff. There's some pretty deep stuff going on with it. It's uh, a really fantastic film. So that's uh, that was my week. Nice. All right. I didn't watch much outside of the movie for the show. Unfortunately, I didn't get a lot of time. Uh, typical story for me. I think we, one of us, at least one of us says that every week. <laughs> uh, but hey, that's the way it is. But I did get to, I did get to check out uh, No Retreat, No Surrender 2 again in preparation to talk to Lauren. Nice. <clears throat> um, love No Retreat, No Surrender 2. It's no secret. Uh, I love the, all three films in that trilogy. Um, this is the only one I got to rewatch, but uh, I love all three. But this one's so much fun. Everything from the uh, the baseball hat that sets way up on Lauren's head <laughs> to the uh, you know just amazing amazing turns by uh, one Matthias Matthias Hughes yeah the great physical acting I if love Max Thayer in that movie too man He's yeah so good in that film yeah Max Thayer man uh, I was looking through his filmography I'd forgotten that he had been in some porn films. Yeah, it's really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. He, he's in one with uh, Tracy Lords and Ginger Lynn and well, Jamie did a couple with, He did. He did a couple with Tracy Lords actually. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if he actually did any performing or if he's just in the background or what. So <laughs> he also did a an Ilsa movie, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. I think the 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 uh, harem. Yeah, oil sheets. Oil sheets. Yeah, yeah. I think he did that one. Yeah, he's he's a uh, he's great in that man. He's like a like a Tom Atkins kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, always fun to what any excuse to watch a no retreat, no surrender film. I'm down for. Okay, always. Uh, the only other thing I checked out was uh, the Sweeney. This is the uh, the recent film uh, version of the. Uh, I, I guess you could well you could definitely call it a cult show from England because I didn't know anything about it until I think Vishnu hit us up on it saying the show was very GGTMC, and uh, I never watched any of the original shows or anything, uh, but I knew about it, and so. I, I, like I said on my post on Facebook, I'd watch Ray Winstone read a book, and I'd be excited because I just love Ray Winstone. I think he's a, a great actor and a great tough guy actor at that. And uh, this is a great Ray Winstone performance. This is just one of his great performances, I think. And this is a really good cops and robbers film. I don't know. Some of the complaints about it seem to be from people who love the, the show The Sweeney. So, but as a standalone cops and robbers film, this is really, really good. And uh, some of the performances don't really hold up, but Ray Winstone's really fucking good in his son. And uh, I mean, he—I mean, it, it, he really carries the film, and I love him in this film. So, if you're a Winstone fan, check out the Sweeney for sure. Definitely, I highly recommend it. If you're just a cops and robbers fan, check it out as well. But if you're looking for a high, high glossy action film, you're not going to get it here. But you, uh, I tell you what, I take this over Heat. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time. Is this on instant? Uh, no, it's not. I rented it uh, through the old fashioned way of getting a disc in the mail. Nice, because I thought I, I thought I saw it on instant. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I want to see this. Winston's a guy that doesn't get enough love, like you said. He's one of the great unsung tough guys. He's a great actor, period. But yeah. tough guy stuff, I, I would put. He can. He won't look. Uh, he won't look like a wimp against anyone. And, what, you know, he's and what's tough. great about Ray Winston is, is he's an everyman type. Like he yeah. looks like yeah. the guy you know. That's right. I mean, you know, he he doesn't, you know, he doesn't shy away from showing his body. Uh, you know, he's definitely a he's a portly man. You oh, know, yeah. he loves his cigars and his drink and everything else, and he's he really lives it up in this film. You know, this this really very Ray Winstone. <laughs> so definitely check it out. Um, and that's all I watched. That was it. I didn't watch much, unfortunately. C'est la vie. That's the way it goes. All right, we're going to take a very short break and come back and talk about. 
The King of Kickboxers from 1990. We'll be back right after this. It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick, the man shit, you'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. You can handle anything. Action. <laughs> Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> and romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such easy prey. Noel Miller presents... You're the problem, you little shit. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Join me, Noel Miller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures of VHS or visit adventuresofvhs.com. Okay, so we're going to get into uh, King of the Kickboxers from 1990. I'm going to kick it over to Carl for a plot synopsis, and we'll get going on this. Uh, cool, man. Um, so this is an NYC cop going underground and undercover in Thailand's snuff film Underground <laughs> uh, and confronts a part of his past, and we'll just leave it at that, I guess. Yes. Yes. All right. So the King of Kickboxers. Um We've kind of talked about this film recently a little bit on the show uh, and our affection for it. Um, for those of you who don't know, 
Uh, this is directed by one Lucas Lowe. Now, Lucas Lowe has, uh, he, I'd say he's, in some ways, he he only made like uh, four films, but uh, three of them are very GGTMC, to say the least. Um, but the writer of this film, Keith Strandberg, now Keith, he made a lot of GGTMC type films. Not a whole lot, but. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, we'll go, you know, he did the trilogy, he wrote the screenplay for the No Retreat, No Surrender trilogy. And they did King of Kickboxers. Now, after that, he wrote American Shaolin, which is... I, I can't wait to, to cover that. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I like it. I know some people some people don't like it much, but I, I dig it quite a bit. Well, the hook for the whole film is that uh, a guy gets embarrassed when his pants get pulled down in the ring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the inciting incident. Yes, yeah. yeah. The entire film. <laughs> and you don't see that very often as a motivator, but... No. But uh, then he also uh, wrote Super Fights, which, you know, we're both big fans of. I don't know, oh, Carl, really? are you a big sure. fan of Super Fights? I love Super Fights. Yeah, Super Fights is great. <laughs> it's it. all the sweet spots. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. And, uh, and, of course, he wrote uh, one of Austin Fabian's favorite movies, I believe, Gary Daniels' Blood Moon. Yeah, so good stuff. With a great, a good one. Yeah, with a great, uh, maybe one of the great VHS covers of all time. <laughs> the Gary Daniels in the torn shirt. <laughs> he's, yeah. all, he's all oily. <laughs> but in an interesting bit of trivia... Keith Strandberg was also the production manager on Thomas and the Magic Railroad in 2000. No, the Gary oh. Busey one? I, I don't know which one. Uh, maybe let me check it out. But it's just insane that you know, one, this guy's so GGTMC. And uh, <laughs> here he Fonda. is working, working on a Thomas. Yeah, that was the Fonda one. Peter Fonda, yeah. Russell Means, Alec Baldwin. Looks like the lady that played uh, Pinky and... And uh, Grease, DD Cole. Man, I had, a, I liked, you know, I had a crush on Pinky. Yeah, I did too. I still do. Nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Keith Strandberg, man, one of those, uh, one of those uh, names that doesn't get mentioned often enough. But he really had a run there, and uh, yeah, pretty great stuff. Um, so I'm watching the credits. I'm having a good time. Uh, realize the cinematographer's name is Viking Chu. <laughs> yeah, one of mine. And I think to myself in true GGTMC fashion, what the hell else is Viking Chu shot? <laughs> Sadly, I don't think he shot much. So I don't know if it was a surname or what, but he only shot this and American Shaolin. So, so that that well, I well, I guess we'll be talking about Viking again one day. Yeah. <laughs> How awesome a name is Viking Chu, man. I wish my mom and dad would have named me Viking <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Maybe Blood Moon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really love the, this is a true – now, this film was made in 1990, but this has got that 80s bleed over that we talk mm -hmm. about so much. And what I really love about this film is it has that great opening, the triumphant music, the great kickboxing match, the over-anxious fans, the over-excited fans on the side, the, yeah. the, uh, the coaching team and the, the little brother – uh, just everybody's really pumped. And what I love about it is I love that after he wins the match that, uh, it, it, they bring the, they take that, that, that Polaroid <laughs> that he takes. Uh, first of all, the angle is not, <laughs> it doesn't work, but that's okay. <laughs> and then what I love about it is that he looks at that while he's hugging his brother, he's looking at the picture of himself. That's like, right. Yeah, I can't believe I did it. <laughs> it's just one of those great moments in uh, cinema where it's like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> So we're introduced to those characters in the beginning, uh, Jake Donahue, the brother, uh, Billy Blanks pops in as uh, Khan, a great name, obviously. That's a, not a new heavy name, but uh, it's really great the way his name is used in this. Khan! Yeah. <laughs> uh, that rivals uh, 
William Shatner's version uh, work, use of the word con, definitely. Uh, actually, I'll take this over the Shatner version. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so when we kind of flash forward, some things happen. We'll get into that. Don't want to give anything away. But uh, we kind of move into cop territory, and we get a really great scene with uh, Lauren Avedon and uh, Jerry Trimble. Yeah. <laughs> now we, we've kind of talked about Jerry Trimble a little bit on the show, and you'll hear us talk about Jerry some more on the, in the interview with Lauren. But uh, Jerry's one of these guys who pops up in films, and oddly, I didn't know this until just a little while ago, Jerry's married to Amy Dolan, who used to be a childhood crush of mine. No way. Mickey's yeah. daughter. Yeah, Mickey's yeah. daughter. I didn't know that. Wow. So. Jerry's got, got, the, got that monkey money coming in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, Jerry is one of these infamous actors who, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a karate guy. He's the real deal. He's, he's been, a mullet guy. Yeah, he, he's a mullet. He's definitely a mullet guy. But he's been in a ton of stuff. I mean, everything from Full Contact, which we covered, um, to, um, oh, well, he's been in a couple films we've covered. I know he's in Breathing Fire. Doesn't he have a small part in the Heat? He does. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, I thought so. He's in Breathing Fire, which Carl picked for us a long time ago. Oh, yeah? And, back in the day. Uh, yeah, back That's in the day. He, yeah, he's in Heat. He's in uh, StarQuest Two, which I didn't even know there was such a thing. Uh, he's in Shogun Cop. Uh, just name it. But recently, though, he's been in stuff such as uh, The Green Hornet and, uh, oh, he was in The Package with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, I believe, and nice. uh, Dolph Lundgren, which just came out uh, recently. So so he's he's a tough guy actor and kind of a, you know, a, a, kind of a background tough guy kind of guy. And, uh, yeah, he's he's talented, but uh, definitely what he's really known for sometimes is his mullet. He's, he's had some amazing hairdos. Uh, in the his time. mullet combo. Yeah. yeah. And the scene between him and Avedon is pretty great. Uh, first of all, Avedon's really rocking it. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> The do-rag. You got a do-rag, I think. Yeah, yeah from his Nana's sock drawer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. I mean, it's just... <laughs> it's a horrible headscarf, man. <laughs> it is. Oh man, it is rough. I, I wanted to ask Lauren about some of the uh, like the the costuming like department, like it, you know some of the the wardrobe stuff he, he rocks. I know you asked him in your great interview with him, uh, Carl. But it's yeah, there's some some wild stuff in this one. We'll get to him <laughs> sure later. Yeah. So Lauren ends up, uh, you know, he ends up doing this thing. You know, he's a he's a cop. He's a cop on the edge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a cocky son of a bitch in this film and stuff, but he ends up back in the captain's office. You know, of course, the captain's name is Captain O'Day because, you know, he's got to be an O'Day. And they uh, played by Richard Jekyll, a uh, famous character actor. Um, you've seen him in, if you don't know who he is, you, you do know who he is. It's one of those things where if you don't know who he is, you do know who he is. You mm-hmm. just might not know it by his name. But of course, you know, he gives the old, uh, crazy captain speech. I think my favorite, one of my favorite lines in the film is, uh, or I think he says it. I'm not sure. He's the best undercover cop the captain's ever seen. No, no, but, uh, uh, yeah, something like that. But, but he's pissing it away. Yeah, that's right. I think he does say, he goes, you're the best undercover cop I've ever seen. Yeah. But you're pissing it away. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> yeah. I love that he ends up getting put on assignment to go to Thailand, like out of nowhere. It's just like, <laughs> I gotta get him out of my office. You know, we'll send him to, you know, we'll send him to Nebraska. No, hell no. We're gonna send him to Thailand. That's right. It's really great because, you know, they're making illegal movies over there. They're making snuff movies, karate, snuff karate movies. I don't think you'll ever see a film that has this type of snuff film that I can think of. I, I can't think of any other film that has martial arts snuff films. Can you guys? Uh, well, there's the, always the underground death tournament. But but to say snuff films, yeah, it's an interest. in all seriousness, it's an interesting plot device to have that snuff film 
in martial arts angle because as I think you and I were talking about Carl on the phone a few weeks ago um, this film it, it gets into some kind of dark stuff with that that you don't see yeah. in a lot of other martial arts films mm-hmm. yeah oh, absolutely and so you know our character ends up over there and of course he shows up over there wearing a tasseled blue jean vest which you know <laughs> that that right there I would love to own and have in a frame yeah because, that would be wild <laughs> <laughs> and he shows up, you know, and he's kicking ass and stuff, and it's pretty great. I mean, it, it really is great. The you know thing he, well, I, I don't even know what I'm talking about now. The tassel blue jean vest. There we go. So we end up back You're too busy daydreaming about wearing it. Yeah, well, we, I should go back and say that he doesn't have any interest in going to Thailand. He would rather hang out with his dog in his uh, apartment. It looks like he couldn't afford, and you know that's cool and stuff. But then he's watching one of these movies and he sees Khan. He sees Billy Blanks. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite moments in any film is his reaction to Blanks on the TV. Yeah. I love that. And I know I read somewhere that Lauren wasn't – I meant to ask him about this, but I read somewhere that he was not very happy about having to do that – the way they made him do that scene. The way that, the way that scene ended, yeah. <laughs> yeah With he the was, scream of anguish. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like that scream because it works. Again, it's one of those things like we talked about with them. It, maybe he felt a bit overexposed as an actor, but it works in terms sort of the over-the-top energy of the film because you got that great uh, cut between he pauses the VHS tape of the kind of snarling, wide-eyed con yeah. to him going, God, yeah, he's, he screams. Yeah. He, I can't remember if he yells con or at that point or if he just screams, but it's it's kind of a fun moment that sets up his trip to Thailand. Yeah, I remember. yeah and that, that scene reminded me of uh, the scene in the original Tim Burton's Batman where Michael Keaton pauses the Joker's speech and has that sort of same recognition going back to that flashback as well. So yeah, <laughs> kind of a weird uh, line through line there. <laughs> what's, what's great too is he's watching in a meta moment in that scene, Lawrence watching himself, well not himself, but he's watching Keith Vitale in the early portion of No Retreat, No Surrender 3. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. Um, now blanks, we, We've talked about Billy Blanks on the show before, and he's been on the show recently with you and Loaf, uh, Will. But uh, I don't think no, I, Piper was. Piper was. Oh, his that's partner right. Oh, that's right. That's right. Piper was. My bad. My bad. <laughs> I don't know why did I, why did I think Billy? The Bill, we haven't done any Billy Blanks. This is the first thing, right? This is a shame. He hasn't been on yet. Yeah. And uh, you guys will know learn more about Billy on, in the interview because we asked some questions about Billy. But yeah, we've never done anything with Billy. I, I'm looking. Well, you guys kind of did something. You did Tango and Cash, which he's kind of uncredited in, but. Oh, I forgot he played a character in Blood Fist called Black Rose. Anyway, oh, wow. <laughs> what, a, what a great name that is. But Billy, Billy, of course, mostly known maybe for newer people as the Tybo guy. Tebow, Tybo? Tybo. <laughs> Tim Tybo. Um, but Billy had a little bit of a career in action movies. Uh, and uh, Lauren was telling us that you know he's a bit of the real deal when it comes to what he can do. Uh, and, of course, you know his resume says that. But uh, Blanks has never really been known as a well. Let's just to put it lightly, not not, not a great actor. Uh, he has a great look. It's very of its time, uh, whether you like that or not. But he has a great look, and I I like Blanks in this film. I don't he's think great. He's, yeah, I don't think he's a you know. It's it's not like he's a great actor in this film, but I, I like him in this film quite a bit. And he I has love, a menace. He has a legitimate yeah. menace and yeah. presence that the, the role calls for. Yeah, and he has the great, you know, feathered roach clips hanging out of his hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's got a great wardrobe, man. Some gold bangles, some silk kind of genie pants, and 
Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, you re, if you read the triv- trivia, the, the Capcom, I guess the guys that made Street Fighter, or one of the one of the films, or one of the video games, or whatever. I can't remember if it was that or Mortal Kombat. Kind of got one of the characters kind of influenced on that game was from this movie, Super but, Street Fighter Two, when they introduced uh, you know Fei Long and Cammy and uh, DJ. I think was the kickboxer yeah, that this character inspired. That's yeah. right. And he definitely, you can definitely see it. You know, you can definitely see it. Uh, his wardrobe is very interesting, to say the least. But he proceeds to try to almost tear it off almost every time he gets a chance. It's one of those. Uh, it's one of those uh, Bolo Young type moments, you know, where it's yeah. <laughs> the clothes are only temporary. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I think Bolo has on his contract that he has to have a, a tearaway shirt or a jacket to remove at all times. As Carl so uh, eloquently put forward that you know he's somewhere <laughs> taking a jacket off, throwing it on the floor, and breathing heavy. <laughs> that seems to be Bolo's thing, you know. So. But uh, yeah, so Blank says, you know, he's he's overacting this, but he 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 has bad taste in women. I gotta say, oh, those he, women were awful, man. <laughs> he picks the yeah because he's got his choice from this harem of women, and he yeah he's got bad. But yeah, it's kind of a lose lose proposition. There was you know just the one. Well, he must be into shoulder pads. Well, he is into so it must be maybe a bit of a Paula Poundstone uh, <laughs> fetish, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but there's that great exchange where the when the girl he picks, uh, or no, it's what's her name, uh, Rose, uh, yeah, Rose, yeah, where she he she's kind of he's got her cornered and she goes, I must wash for you, and he goes, You are not Ty. How do you know the customs? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Sherry Rose, man, she's still working. She's still working yeah. quite a bit. Uh, she's been in a lot of stuff. She was in Demon Knight, Tales of the Crypt, Demon Knight, which I know a lot of people like. But I'll she dated what, she dated Ray Liotta for a while, and uh, you know did some stuff like that. She's been around for a bit. I'll tell you what I found about her. I hate to cut you off, but this is worth mentioning. I have to seek this film out. She did a cyborg film <laughs> with Henry Silva and someone else. Ooh, which one was that? And it was early on in her career, like. Uh, oh, okay. I see it. Cyborg <laughs> Il Ghiaro Diaccio or something like Who that. Who was it? It was Silva, her, and someone else. Oh, the one like, and only uh, Frank Zagarino. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Silva plays a character named Hammer in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a heavy in it. Uh, well, of course he is. <laughs> what, what, what else would he be? I would hope he'd be the cyborg and the hero, but unfortunately it doesn't work out that way. <laughs> but she's been in a ton of stuff, though, man. She was in um, – let me see here. I'm looking through her filmography. Uh, a lot of these action films and stuff, but she uh, – there was something that I was also kind of surprised she was in. Oh fuck! I can't find it now. Well, recently she was in uh, Night Claws, that kind of comeback for David Pryor, that uh, Sasquatch oh, yeah. movie he made with uh, Red Brown, Frank Stallone. So, haven't seen that obviously, but uh, I'd be curious as what that is. But anyway, she kind of got around Hollywood quite a bit. Not, not, and she's in a film I enjoy from '89 called uh, Summer Job, where she she's kind of the star, and it's kind of a you know a skin flick a little bit and stuff, kind of a goofy little comedy. But I kind of enjoy those films, and I remember watching it. But um, yeah, she's pretty good. Um, there was some other kind of piece of uh, damn. Uh, ah, anyway, oh yeah, she has a. Uh, I didn't know this, but uh, I was looking at the trivia. She has a son with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. She dated Jeffrey Dean Morgan, That's Mike right. Michael DeLuise, Ray Liotta, Dave Navarro, and a young Shane West. So, uh, Sherry, yeah, wow. Michael DeLuise of Twenty One Jump Street fame. <laughs> uh, is that is that Michael or is that or is that Peter? Is that Peter? That might be Peter. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh Michael DeLuise was the young yeah, Michael DeLuise was the younger uh Richard Greco wannabe. That's right. Who was oddly in a film we talked about briefly this past week called He Was a Quiet Man. 
Oh, yeah. It's weird how everything That's ties back together. Film, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we end up in a situation where our lead, Jake Donahue, realizes he needs more training. So he ends up hooking up with Keith Cook, uh, who plays Prang. Now, Keith Cook has been on the show recently because he was in Picasso Trigger. Um, but back, uh, he's also been billed in the past as uh, Keith Hir- uh, Hirabayashi, Hirabayashi, I think is how you say his name. Which is his, his, the name he was, his birth name. Yeah. Mm. And uh, he's, some of you might know him as, uh, he's in the Mortal, some, a couple Mortal Kombat films. So I think he played, uh, I know he played Sub-Zero in one. And I think he played uh, the other mass ninja type thing, uh, reptile or something. I'm not a big, oh, Mortal, yeah. I'm not a big Mortal Kombat guy. Me but, neither. But anyway, he's also in the uh, China O'Brien films, both films. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this, he's trying to sell himself off as a uh, a wise man slash Sifu. <laughs> a Sifu slash drunk Sifu, yeah, drunken master who hangs out yeah. with a, hangs out with a chimp, a pickpocketing monkey. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he kind of comes across. He kind of comes across as an American uh, trying to play, play that performance, but it, it kind of works. I enjoyed it. It works. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I love the training sequence. Uh, I've always loved the training sequences in films, but this one uh, I really do enjoy, especially the if you could freeze frame the moments when uh, Lauren is actually blocking the tree logs. Some of the great faces he make he's making it's just it's amazing. But it, it's really cool, and um, I like that Lauren's kind of like this. The Jake Donahue character is kind of like this asshole. To prong, I think it's how they say prong. I think he says prong. I think he says prong though, doesn't he? Does he? Maybe. Not like Every, everyone says it a different way. Yeah, I think. not like tomato, potato, potato. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. You say prang, I say prong. <laughs> but I think and not like P R O, but like P R. You know, like a long A W. Yeah, like A W. Yeah. So, but uh, it's interesting because later on in the film, you know, our, our, our director Lucas Lode decides to mimic uh, another Lucas with some wipe cuts. Some wipe edits. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa, man, we got a Star Wars moment in this film." <laughs> where, where did the wipe swipes come from? I mean, I didn't expect those at all. I forgot all about those. And uh, you know, I also like that the film gets a little apocalypse now toward the toward the oh, end yeah. <laughs> with the travel. Yeah, when he's paddling in, <laughs> yeah, that's the, a great scene. Man. The travel down river. Yeah, but uh, you know, there's just so many great moments in this film. It's it, it's what it really needs to be said, though. And I've read this other places, but I've always thought this, even when I saw it back when I was like 15, 16 years old. This film has one of the the great finales for this type of cinema. Oh, for absolutely. It has this great kind of bamboo shoot. Uh, Thunderdome. Yeah, Thunderdome, essentially. Uh, and it has a great fight scene between Billy Blanks and Lauren Avedon that needs to be seen to be believed. It's really the real deal. Uh, it has great dialogue in the fight scene. I think I even said some uh, stuff, some of it on uh, Facebook with the, this yeah. is for my brother, you know, that kind of That's stuff, right. the screaming and stuff. But it really is the real deal. It's a great scene. Um, I really enjoyed it. And what I really like about it is is that they mix in moments of comedy with that heavy. With Lauren, yeah, yeah, crack into them playing the naive kind of fool. And it's really, it's really great. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I just really enjoy King of Kickboxers. If you have not seen it, you owe yourself to sit down and watch this film. Uh, it is, in my opinion, it's Pantheon. I haven't heard yeah. Will's opinion yet, but in my opinion, it is Pantheon as far as our GGTMC world is concerned. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one of the columns because Lauren Avedon should have been huge. Uh, me and Carl were talking about this out there. He should have been much bigger than what he, he oh, became. Oh, yeah, there's no question about it. And, and we're the, not just saying that. Like We've also talked about this off the air. Like, he's a lot better. He's the real deal. He's a lot better than a lot of the guys that made it um, 
in that world, uh, you know, American guys, he's a lot better than all yep. those guys. Yep. But uh, yeah, the, this is definitely one of the uh, one of those great performances. And I, man, I just, I just, I love, I love this film. I guess all I can say about it. So I'll kick it over to one of you guys. Whoever wants to talk about it next. Carl, did you want to go? Or you want me to go? What's uh, what's good uh-huh. for you? Man? Yeah, sure. I'll roll with it. <clears throat> um, so right off the bat, uh, who knew that Muay Thai fights had cheerleaders? <laughs> it's kind of an odd touch. It is. Um, probably the crappiest championship belt I've ever seen. It's like barely oh. Christmas ornament quality. Yeah, and, bl- yeah, and you, you nail it, man. That yeah. was one of my notes. It's, it's just it's the flimsiest title belt in the history is. of cinema. Well, it has to be because Blanks breaks it in half with his hands. Well, well yeah, I was going to say that Blanks breaks it like a fucking Kit Kat bar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had Hershey bar in my notes. <laughs> I was thinking of Slim Jim myself, but uh, yeah, nice. nice. <laughs> Snap into a Slim Jim. He should have done uh, promos for him. Anyway, yeah. Um, I liked while uh, younger Jake is, you know, telling his older brother how much he loves being in Bangkok. It looks like he's rocking a cold sore. <laughs> so maybe a little bit of a herpes outbreak. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> by the way, though, I mean the dialogue in that scene is. It's it's pretty pretty awful. Yeah. Um that, that whole exchange between them and the little tuk tuk there. Yeah. Um also here we probably get the most disproportionate tuk tuk explosion in the history of cinema. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, like, it blows up like a warehouse full of dynamite. Yeah, yeah it's like a like a propane tank warehouse, man. It goes up. That fucking thing was wired, bro. <laughs> the, the aerosol was the uh, set uh, on the set that day, man. He's like, You need more gas. <laughs> Napalm. <laughs> yeah that uh and then the drug deal scene was fantastic i think um steve tartaglio who i believe lauren will mention uh in the interview is one of the henchmen there and he's a guy that worked a, a lot in hong kong 80s films um i think he did once upon a time in china oh, nice. among uh, among a few others so yeah they definitely had like the se- you know seasoned uh westerners who had done hong kong films sort of uh in the fight scenes here um, a nice touch that I appreciated was uh, Abaddon sort of blowing his cigar smoke around, and Trimble kind of blows it away at one point in disdain, yeah. which I thought was kind of effective. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, and, and once cool. you hear the story Lauren kind of tells about Trimble and stuff, you can kind of see some oh, things. Yeah, man, totally. <laughs> yeah, that it re- scene it really, really translates. That scene will have kind of bring a new depth to it. Yeah. yeah. Um. His, oh, Abaddon's character here is using this sort of inauthentic, tough guy voice that precedes Christian Bale's Batman by a full fifteen years. <laughs> yeah. It does, but but he com- but he does the great thing of combining it with um, the 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 villain uh, laugh from Shaw Brothers films and like the English oh, yeah. dub. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah, there's this awkward joke uh, where where Jake is sort of blowing his cover on purpose. He's he says, "I'm a cop." sort of loosens the tension yeah and then trimble's reacting to it he's like a fucking cop and then he's like no just a plain old cop fucking's yeah. got nothing to do with it really it's yeah. <laughs> a great line like a little change there yeah it was good did you guys know that Mat- matthias hughes is related to engelbert humperdinck come on Whoa. man yeah come on. maria his mom is the niece of engelbert humperdinck her name oh is maria God. humperdinck hughes the world the ggtmc <laughs> world keeps on spinning around man that's wild yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Can you imagine Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. 
two great moves here uh, during the drug deal scene that really stuck out for me is uh, Jake suplexing one guy from a standing position through a bunch of crates and then smashing another guy in the face with a space heater. Well, Jerry Trimble gets the heater to the face. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. That was brutal. Yeah. It was a funny one, though. Um, in the conversation with Captain O'Day, I thought it was a kind of a funny line. Um, he says, whatever you're into, I'll have it. Ar- I'll, I'll arrange to have it covered. Yeah. You know, sort of like a reference to, uh, you know, Thailand's history as a big sex tourism spot, but kind of a, kind of a weird uh, throwaway line there. And then, um, you know, Jake Donahue is like one of these cops who, you know, just has a total disdain for guns. I don't think you ever see him using a gun during the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, and, and when he's leaving the police station, he just sort of throws a gun in a desk drawer. <laughs> I, don't they, I don't know if they have rules against that at a at New York City police station. So maybe, I thought that was kind of funny. Maybe not back then. Maybe not in 1990. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in his meeting with uh, with Don Stroud's character, I thought I thought Avedon held his ground pretty well there, dramatically yeah, did, speaking. It, it hit some it hit some nice beats. I thought they had like a you know decent uh, decent exchange in that scene. Yeah, another great oh, story yeah. we'll get from Avedon about the Don Stroud moment. But yeah, I didn't mention Don Stroud in this in my review. But yeah, he's he's great in this little little kind of cameo role he does in here. Does the uh, the the guy that kind of looks like he would be hanging out in Thailand? Yeah, <laughs> perhaps for too long. Yes. <laughs> He never made it out. <laughs> um, we get a we get a good scene of uh, one of the snuff film productions. I think it's uh, I think it's an actor named Bruce Fontaine who was another Westerner, uh, Canadian actually, who worked in Hong Kong. White overalls, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, white overalls, and then uh, and then the con character comes in with overalls with no shirt on underneath. That's right. Yes, so they're both rocking the overalls. But uh, that's a Kentu- I, I, that's a Kentucky t- tuxedo, bro. <laughs> Trust me, you got to be from down here to know what that's all about. <laughs> you got the Canadian um, tux, but that's our Kentucky tux right there. Overalls, no shirt. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, and Blanks cuts a pretty imposing figure here. I think that I think that casting of Fontaine was was very deliberate to sort of highlight that size difference to make Khan's uh, you know character and figure more more intimidating. Yeah, he looks like a giant. Great point. Great, great point. I think you're right because yeah, Fontaine is a bit. It's certainly very slight, and it's that thing of we're building up the monster that or the dragon that Lauren has to slay at the back end of the film. Absolutely. And that that one ends with a really brutal death scene too. Oh yeah, yeah. Slam, slamming his head against the car. You sort of see blood gushing down the tarp, and then the hook to the throat. It's it's, it's pretty insane. It's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Then we get a night out on the town with the with the snuff film production crew. You got this fat sleazy director in a Hawaiian oh. shirt. Um, but yeah, man, that line of women was not. Not terribly attractive. A lot of bad shirts and terrible perms there. Yeah, yeah it was a it was a weak. Uh, again, to use the term, day shift strippers would be polite. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, you know, Blanks' character of Khan is kind of one note as a villain, but it seems to uh, you know other characters around him seem to hint at sort of like the sexual humiliation. Yeah. yeah. Like women having uh, sort of escaped his grasp and him not being able to close the deal, and it's just sort of a weird, uh, weird character touch there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, I love the training scenes, as uh, as Sammy already mentioned. There's there's some fantastic creative stuff there. I love the forced groin pulley sequences; oh, those man. are always fun. 
Lauren does this, you know, people always say, well, because Van Damme was so inclined to want to do the splits, but Lauren does them a lot better. And he does them with the ropes. He does them a, a really great splits moment when there's the two, um, what are they called? The rafts, like the wooden rafts or whatever. Oh, yeah. And he pulls oh, yeah. them together with his legs. And he's, it's just, there's some really great physical stuff. And it's funny because all that montage stuff, that all of the back to nature using kind of, um, this kind of archaic, really primitive in a way, training stuff back to basics. I think all found its uh, inception with with Rocky Four, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also thought Cook and, and Abaddon had a pretty good chemistry. Uh, you totally. know, Jake, Jake would give him shit, and and Prang would give it right back to him. So I, I appreciated that as well. They did have a really good chemistry, and it's too bad. Yeah. Like we were all saying, that Cook didn't work more because he's uh, he's good in the film, and he's he's obviously very physically skilled, and he had a good look. Yeah, yeah really definitely. Did. And that end fight scene, yeah, uh, it's 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 phenomenal. Um, one of the best of its time, if not the best, at mm-hmm. least as far as these sort of uh, you know uh, Hong Kong U.S. productions go. Yeah. Choreography looks great. There's there's sort of like multiple levels um, in the platforms to sort of spice up the choreography, and I think I think Lowe uh, did a good job in sort of negotiating the placement of shots and angles there, given uh, sort of probably the inherent challenges of doing a fight a fight scene like that. Yeah, very influential to the video game and culture. I would say I say a lot of people saw this film that work in the video game world and really uh, you know have translated like boss battles. Uh, you know, as our friend uh, Forrest Whitaker's neck always says, you know, this is a boss battle essentially. And uh, I love that the multiple platforms, the bamboo shoots, and the uh, you know those those things in the water. And I love that man; it's just awesome. Yeah, yeah. I meant I wanted to ask Lauren about again. Just we could have asked him a zillion of questions, but I think you would coin that term because I was trying to think of what a descriptive uh, Carl and you'd said. You know, Thunderdome. It really is like a bamboo Thunderdome. Yeah, it's, uh, really, really wild. A lot of drool in this fight scene. Probably the most drool I've seen in a film since uh, maybe Beethoven or something. (laughs) There is a lot. (laughs) It is. It's excessive. And then, uh, you know, throwing a picture can't be easy, but Avedon manages to do it. It's awesome. (laughs) It is. And uh, those are my notes. Awesome. Okay, I'll zip through here. Um, I'll just say apricots and red stripe. Um, Oh. (laughs) Yeah. I love when Lauren willfully blows his cover because there's the van outside that's, that's, you know, he's got his wire on and they go, he's doing it again, Sarge. <laughs> you know, the cop that plays by his own rules. Oh, I yeah. love it. Um, <laughs> and again, we, we mentioned this to Lauren, you know, cause he was a bit, um, a bit harsh on his, his, as acting as I guess most people, they're uncomfortable watching themselves act. But the thing about Lauren, you know, yeah, sure. He makes some silly faces and maybe he overacts and he yells and stuff like that. But, it's always entertaining and it's always fun and he's always going for it, whether it's in a martial arts scene when he's really going for it or it's in an acting scene. It's, it's never, you never mistake, you'll never mistake Lauren Avedon for Ben Stein. Yes. You know, exactly. he just, it's really, he's always fun to watch. Although um, I would like to see Ben Stein in the, uh, in the Thunderdome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, I love the line. I think it's, I can't remember who says it to Lauren, but they say, I heard you're unorthodox, but good. Yeah, this is great. Um, oh, you mentioned the uh, the denim overalls with with the shirtless denim overalls. Um, 
the shot of Billy Blanks with the roach clip earrings, the Egyptian necklace, the goblet of cognac, the, the gumby hair, <laughs> shirtless and silk pants on a silk sheeted bed is maybe the most GGTMC image ever put to film. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, no doubt. It's majestic. Um, I love when Lauren's breaking up the the near gang rape, and it's he says he tries to come in like he wants a piece of the the pie, and he goes, "Take it easy, boys. I can go second or third. <laughs> <laughs> He'll take those sloppy seconds. <laughs> yeah, Oof. right. Uh. <laughs> or even thirds. He was willing to settle for thirds, which uh, that's that's some dirty cream pie territory, man. Oh yeah. Oh. Um, I like Molly. Uh, you know, she doesn't have a whole lot to do in the film. I thought she was good. She quits herself well. Yeah. Um, you know, she has a bit of a resiliency as a, as an actress that, you know, she doesn't just seem like she's pushed to the sidelines. Um, man, I, I hated McKinney and the big boss, the two sleazy white dudes. I fucking hated them. <laughs> oh. Um, you know who Lauren looks like? I meant to mention this to him. I don't know if he's a football fan, but he looks a little bit like a young Marino. Yeah, he's got a little bit of that going on. Little bit of Marino. Um, what else do we got here? Oh, you know, it's that thing a little bit, the travelogue, right? You want to kind of show Thailand, and they keep showing all these uh, temples and stuff. And I half expected to see, uh, if you've seen um, Boxer's Omen, Carlos Santana and his Black Magic Woman show up. <laughs> pop in the frame. Nice. Um, what else do we got here? Uh, thankfully, Rose gets her kid off, which I didn't expect in the film. You know, uh, well, I hadn't seen it in a long time when I rewatched it, maybe last year, and then this time I always forget that we get the hot tub scene with Lauren. Yeah, and her. So, cool. You know, something for the you know, <clears throat> something for us to. I meant, appreciate. I kind of meant to ask Lauren too if he was nude in there because yeah, uh, it looks like it. It looks like he was. Yeah, I was I was the only one that noticed that. Yeah, no, it totally did, man. It totally did. <laughs> Um, like he was definitely living, you know, living the lifestyle in Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to say that Thai deathmatch fighting pits are a lot smokier than even a Greek bingo hall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jeez, man. Like when he first kind of get researched, when Lauren resurfaces after he's been in his training and he goes to that kind of Thai deathmatch, man, those places must have just stunk. Like you, you'd come out of there with thick, you, if you picked your nose, it would be black. <laughs> it would just be awful. Um, a lot of great mullets ringside at that deathmatch pit, too. Yes. So, yeah. That's good. And, you know, Lauren with the half sweatshirt in that scene, which is great. Um, it was the era of the mullet. It was. It was. Uh, I love when uh, when Lauren, he's, he's, you know, he's trying to get infiltrate the, the snuff film ring, and he gets on set with McKinney, the, the skinny fucking rat. And uh, there, a, there's a bit of an exchange of what, what he's going to do and this and that. And Lauren goes, upstage? Gig? Is this really happening? Am I really going to be an actor? Or something like that. And I, I love that because it's that thing of, you know, we know he knows, but McKinney's buying it. Yeah. It's kind of Lauren winking at the camera a little bit. Um, i got to say, Lauren's clearly, uh, they, they, they should have played the Soundgarden song because Lauren's clearly a spoon man. He spoons Rose all night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Um, spoon oh. man. <laughs> now I got another music selection for the show. Yeah. <laughs> for being the king of the Thai underworld deathmatch scene, Khan really neglects his footwear. 
I mean, he has these Kmart $10 old man orthopedic black shoes. <laughs> like, homeboy needs to know how to accessorize those gold bangles, man. And white yeah. socks. Even yeah, I know. Of an error. Yeah. I know. I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, the Bamboo Thunderdome, we've all talked about it. It's spectacular. A lot of levels and stuff. And it's pretty. it's a pretty brutal ending. I mean... You know the way it goes, and it's um, it, it's one of those things where the fight, like we talk about sometimes, like you remember the foot chase in La Mala Ordena, Manhunt, the Mario Ador film. Mm. There is a strong emotional feel in that scene. Like it's not just Lauren and Billy going through the motions, and it's well choreographed. It feels intense. You feel the animosity. They're really going for it. It's well executed, and it feels vicious. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, but that that moment with uh, and I like this moment actually. I think it's a great line. I mean, when they're fighting us near the back end, and and Blanks goes, "I'll see you in hell," and and Lauren screams, "I've been there for ten years." It's uh, it's really good, really good kind of action action movie kind of finale moment. Um, yeah, Blanks just a just a specimen. It's uh, and even Lauren's stuff that he does that's like you know, like I said to him in the interview, jumping off walls and kind of his his stuff improvising with. Um, with his uh, the world around him, I've always been very impressed with. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Blank snarls literally the whole fight. The whole fight, he's got his teeth, he's gritting his teeth, and he's snarling. It's fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's... that's uh, oh, just last note. In a weird twist of irony, in the credits, there's an actor by the name of Michael DePasquale Jr., who's credited as playing a character named Sean Donahue. Yeah. That's interesting. Very oh, yeah. Strange. He's he's the older uh, the older brother in the beginning. Oh, right, right. Very yeah, yeah. strange. No, yeah, but, and he would actually go on to play a character in, I think, Blood Moon, one of Strandberg's later ones. So. Oh. Yeah, I don't remember that. That's cool. But, uh, yeah, those are all my notes. Nice. All right, so... MVT's make or breaks. My make or break is definitely the finale. It's one for the ages, to say the least. Uh, one of those great 1990, 19 late, or 19 late, uh, late 1980s <laughs> type action finales that, you know, you just, you look forward to. And it really pays off. I mean, it really does. You know, you, in these films, you're always looking for the same things. They're, you know, a reluctant hero, the training montage that builds to the big battle. And it, it pays off in all those, so I, I really like the finale. But there's so many great moments in the film that the montage, you could go with that. You could go with the cop scene with Jerry Trimble. So many great make-or-break moments. So uh, My MVT for this, definitely Lauren Avedon. I, like I said, I don't know why he wasn't a bigger star, and I really wish he should have been. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that he still gets another go at it because, uh, yeah, he's got the charisma. He uh, he can hang with the best of them physically. And... Uh, yeah, let's hope he you know he gets going again. I, I really do hope so because you know he's he's really great in this film. My score for this film, and you know again you got to realize this is this type of cinema, but it's you know a legitimate score in my opinion. But this is a straight eight out of ten. Uh, great action film, one of the greats of the uh, of the time. So looks like I lost Will at some point, so I'll have to call him back during this. But uh, <laughs> let me add him back to the call. But yeah, eight out of ten, definitely uh, nice. Definitely, uh, definitely there. Let me get if I can get Will back on here. Hang on. Do, 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 do. You there, Will? Hey, sorry about that. Sorry yeah. about that. No problem. I just wanted to let you know I gave it an eight out of ten. Nice. Okay. And what was your MVT? Uh, Mr. Avedon, of course. Nice. Nice. Okay. Good stuff. Carl, what you got? 
Uh, make or break, I was going back and forth between sort of our opening fight scene that sort of demonstrates what kind of character Jake Donahue is. Um, but it's got to be the climax. It's like the perfect culmination of, of the story you've seen unfold for the preceding 90 minutes. So, um, yeah, and it's it's one of the best of its time for what it was. So, uh, And then my MVT is Abaddon. It's got to be. Um, you know, with the, I think this was one of his first leading true leading role films. I think, uh, you know, No Retreat, No Surrender 2 was more of a, a team-up with, with Max yeah. Thayer. Um, and this was an opportunity for him to demonstrate that he could carry a film, and I think he delivers. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grade is an 8.25 out of 10. Um, for me, seeing it at the time I saw it, this was, this was a cinematic bridge to a lot of the Hong Kong stuff I would eventually... Uh, sort of come to know and love. So it, it holds a special place um, for me in my sort of personal um, evolution as a film fan. And uh, I don't think it, it, age, it ages really well, I think, yeah. too. It, hold, it holds up. Yeah, definitely. Outside of the haircuts and everything. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, mullets are timeless. Yes. So. Yeah, they are. So is the, uh, the Billy Blanks box, right? Yeah. Yep. That's it. Um, make or break, yeah. The the finale, the Bamboo Thunderdome. Really tremendous. Um, what more can we say about it? MVT, I could go with Lauren, um, but I wanted to say my, my MVT is the action. And what I mean by the action is the stunts, the martial arts, everything that the action of this film encompasses. And I think you nailed it, Carl, when you say it's a perfect bridge between uh, the American action slash martial arts films and Hong Kong action slash martial arts films. Um, We've gone on record as saying it. We'll say it again. Um, Lauren and Billy, uh, two of the best in the business from the Western world as far as they can hang with the Hong Kong guys. And I'll tell you what, you know, you guys know not many Guaylos can. Mm-hmm. They have mm-hmm. to scale mm-hmm. things back. When you watch enough martial arts films, you get to see that the pace is slowed down. So when you get real pros just going for it, it's a joy to behold cinematic. I don't know that there's much more things I enjoy. And even Werner Herzog, the great Werner Herzog, has said know something along the same lines that there's not i'm not going to quote him i'll I'll misquote it inevitably um but uh there's nothing really no greater joy for me than seeing a really incredible astounding uh martial arts fight in a film so my score is the same as carl's it's an 8.25 out of 10 it is it is a pantheon film i mean it's you know it's not quite as bonkers as um uh, some of the some of the films we, we mentioned as Pantheon, but the the competency of of the the stunts and the martial arts and the 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 action is just it's incredible. Yes, indeed. All right, so definitely stay tuned for our interview with uh, Mr. Lauren Avedon. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, this is not really time to do pleasantries, but do you want to do you want to do them here as opposed to? Um, well, why don't we just say uh, what we're covering next week? Okay. All right. We'll do that. Uh, well, I'll let you say it since sure. it's uh, your program in the show next week. Yeah. Next week, because at the end of the episode, Lauren gives us a great <laughs> a great ending, which I didn't want to come in after that because yeah. it was, <laughs> yes, it it was fantastic. Um, but uh, we're going to be – it's our time for a diabolic uh, show. I program it, as, as Sammy said. We're going to be covering uh, – speaking of great Canadians, man, Ted Kotcheff. We're going to be doing his – Wonderful film that uh, was put out by um, Alamo Jaffos, I believe. That's Wake and Fright. And uh, we're going to be, speaking oddly, speaking of Werner Herzog, we're going to be doing the Art House Region B Blue of Nosferatu. Nice. So it's going to be a very interesting show. Um, I think we'd said it at the back end of 
our review, or excuse me, our interview with Carl, uh, with Carl, <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with Lauren. But, uh, I think we, you know, again, we'll thank Carl. It's, it's been a long time coming, pal. We yes. are big fans of what you do. You're an invaluable part of our community. And we'll say it again. We could not have had the opportunity to, to put this episode together without your being gracious and charitable enough with the pipeline you had with Lauren. So thank you. And it, it really is an honor for us to, to have this, uh, this time with you on this episode. Well, the, the feeling is mutual. Uh, I'm glad I was able to help out. Yeah. You guys do a great show here and I'm glad to be a part of it this week. Yeah. Thanks so much, Carl. Of course, you know, uh, I've known you now for a while, although never spoke to you until today, but uh, that's the way this thing works. This crazy yeah. internet world we live in. Uh, but yeah, it was really great to have you on the show. Uh, you have an open door invitation anytime you want to come on as, uh, as you know, we are very uh, open to having people on the show, but definitely you're one of the ones that definitely oh, yeah. has the open door at any given time. Just hit us up. So, Carl's inner circle, man. Carl's inner circle. Yes, inner circle, inner inner Stroud, so to speak. <laughs> oh, so, so I have a seat at the uh, the table when we're playing chess. You do. You, def- <laughs> you definitely have a seat. You definitely have a seat at the GGTMC table. No doubt about it. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Our pleasure, and we'll be right back with uh, the king himself. We will. Did you know that Asian people prefer being called Orientals? Did you know that Ching Chong, Ting Tong is a respectful salutation in all Asian cultures? Did you know that paper cuts can cause massive arterial sprays in Orientals? No? Well, then you should listen to Podcast Without Honor and Humanity, the Internet's fourth best Asian film podcast. Every week, your host, Jake McLarchuge, will cover two Asian films that can range from the obscure to the notorious, from a Sonny Chiba werewolf film to a splattergore atrocity, from Category 3 to the Korean New Wave and beyond. Tune in at the website, podcastwithouthonorandhumanity.libsyn.com. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. Or you can just search Podcast Without Honor Humanity in iTunes. So give Podcast Without Honor Humanity a shot and get cultured. Flawless victory.
And welcome back to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Uh, it's with great, great pleasure that Carl, a.k.a. Matt, as he's known to his inner circle, um, Sammy and I, or Rick, uh, were pleased to introduce something that's been kind of a long time coming, and, and we've all been very thrilled uh, to be able to have happen. We've got uh, one of the greats in a genre that we all adore very much, and that's, of course, Lauren Avedon. Lauren, welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> Good to be here. Glad to glad to talk to you and and reach out to your fans and hopefully uh, you know bring some insight to some things perhaps that uh, they don't know about. So glad to do it. Thank you. I know a lot of our listeners are thrilled um, to you know to really hear this. Like you said, you know to get some insight and. And just to hear you talk, you know, about what's been a pretty long career. So, um, as we'd said off the air, Lauren, we're going to just kind of rotate questions here. Um, and the first one, I think, is one that I'm sure you've answered with most interviews. But, it's again, it's important that for listeners that maybe aren't as familiar with your entire body of work or, or kind of the origin of how you got into martial arts and film, um, I guess we could start by that. Meaning, you know, I'd heard in a previous interview a great story about the Chinese connection and a a viewing you'd had on the big screen. So if you could let people know how you got into martial arts and uh, I guess film in general. Absolutely. I was, I was very fortunate, first of all, to uh, have a mother who was surrounded by um, Hollywood and uh, had been exposed to, you know, great uh, talent, um, great people. I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, there isn't greatness in all things, and, and in all different professions, but luckily enough, my mother was quite independent. I'm uh, an only child from a single parent home. Oh. And at the time uh, that I went to this, my first Bruce Lee movie, um, it was 1973. We were in Bath, England at the Hot Air Balloon Festival. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, pretty cool when you're 10. Yeah, you know? oh, no doubt. <laughs> right? And, uh, but what, what was going on is, is my mother's friend was Ava McKenzie, who happens to be Fred Astaire's daughter. And wow. her, her son, Tyler, was kind of like my older brother, sort of, when I was living in London. My mother moved us from Los Angeles to London after her mother passed away. She just couldn't stay, and so, I mean, too much information here, but that's why we were in England. So we were traveling around, and we went to the Hot Air Balloon Festival in Bath, which is, of course, in England, and named Bath because of the Roman baths that were created there. But there was, and Tyler, uh, Ava's son, uh, Fred Astaire's grandson, was very into, you know, plays and movies. And he just said, hey, you know, I'm going to go to this movie tonight. And, you know, you can absolutely come with me, but it's rated X. <laughs> and I'm 11 years old. You know? <laughs> you got to remember that this is 1973. So... You know, and, and it's also Europe. I mean, I have to say that, you know, they're a little bit more relaxed about things. I mean, I, I had my first pint, you know, in England when I was 
11 years old. But the thing is, is so I go with him to the movie and it happens to be the Chinese connection with Bruce Lee as the star. And I walk up to the ticket window after, cause he's not going to buy the ticket for me. I mean, that's just the kind of, you know, the kind of relationship we had. He's like, you'll be fine. Just go, you know, go to the window. And the lady's like, you're not 17. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, you know, in my worst British accent at 11 and the lowest pitch voice I could do, give me the ticket. <laughs> and sat there through Chinese connection, absolutely mouth wide open and just eyes sucking up every second of this amazing charismatic presence and this guy who just was so incredibly cool and humble and but you know ripped and just could kick everybody's ass didn't need anything uh except you know himself to take care of business and it left such an impression on me after that and um i didn't know anything about martial arts you know when i went back to um uh, America, of course, there was Kung Fu theater and all those kinds of things in the 70s, you know, late at night. And so you'd see the poorly dubbed, you know, uh, Chinese cinema. But that was my first exposure. And I never forgot Bruce Lee. And then later that year, he passed away. And mm. I couldn't get enough of him. I mean, you know, when you're 11, you buy the magazines, you do this, you know, the whole nine yards. And uh, he just had this tremendous impact on me because – I, I could relate to him, even though, you know, I mean, I've always been colorblind or race blind or whatever. I, you know, it's just, this was an incredible man who just, just, I was riveted and completely, you know, idolized, uh, just the way he was. So, um, after that, I just couldn't wait to, to learn and didn't have a chance until about six years later, but, um, that was, that was the start of the martial arts, you know, quest. And, uh, it just happened to be, you know, at a theater in Bath, England. Wow. So, hmm. It's yeah. funny cause we've got a lot of listeners actually in Bath. Yeah, we so do. It's, it's funny for them to, to know that that's where the seed was planted. Absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, of course, there really wasn't very much martial art that I knew of at 11 martial arts going on in, in London. Uh, if there was, it was, you know, certainly nothing that I was exposed to. It wasn't back until I got back to the States. I think a lot of people take for granted. Um, I know uh, Rick and I, uh, we were talking to them. You know, we, we tend to chit-chat about f- films we've been watching or we just kind of got on a tangent about um, – the title Ninja in films and just talking about the octagon with Chuck Norris, how ninjas are referred to in almost this, this mysterious way Like it hadn't become part of action film vernacular. So I can't even imagine going back to 73, how mind blowing it would be to see something that literally there was nothing else to compare it to cinematically or, or in any sense. And it must've really, yeah, obviously it, it took hold and rightfully so. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was amazing. And, um, you know, I still have this, the DVD box set, you know, sitting right there. And uh, it's it's amazing how, you know, I still think of him and I still look at him as as the as the bar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah, yeah. very interesting. The uh, 
it, it always it always amazes me uh, when I think of Bruce Lee and what an effect he had on uh, cinema. As as just now as this charismatic, almost this titan of cinema, really, and like everything that we love about at least here on this show, and a lot of our listeners do about the uh, the great uh, action cinema of the eighties and nineties uh, and and whatnot, kind of all comes from the, those you know late sixties, early seventies Bruce Lee films. It's true, and um, you know the thing that was cool about what they did, and and still, you know, they they didn't really have a script sometimes with these movies that they would make in Hong Kong, but. Bruce always wanted to get some wisdom in, and there was always a message, some philosophy, some, you know, uh, what is it, the uh, reluctant hero, the, you know, there was was bravado there, there was, you know, that charisma there and that power there, but it's that restraining of it and the, you know, not wanting to... And he just did that so well. And that was his life. You know, I mean, his art and, and his life and teaching Kung Fu in San Francisco and, you know, and, and, and being challenged by other masters in Hong Kong, you know, because he was going to teach Guaylos and so on. So, you know, uh, that's real stuff. Yeah. And, and he was colorblind, too. You know, some of his great students when he got to Hollywood were, you know, all the big stars. Yeah. So. Uh, and as you know, David Carradine replaced him on Kung Fu. Now, yeah. I think Kung Fu with David Carradine was the right choice, honestly, when you think of the character. and But, of course, his martial arts was doo-doo compared to <laughs> Bruce. That's generous. But, yeah, that is generous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I love David. I yeah. You know, I had the chance to rub elbows with him on many occasions. And, and uh, actually, when I was up in Toronto, you know, trained with some of the guys when he was doing Kung Fu, The Legend Returns. Is that was that the series? I believe it was. Ironically, one of our um, sometime contributors and a good friend of our show, Chris, he uh, I think he, he worked on that show in some regard. There you go. So I remember being up there in T.O. and, you know, freezing my butt off and outside, you know, doing Wing Chun with with the guys, you know, oh, wow. blast each other. You know, it was fun. So anyway, sorry, sorry to tangent off myself. No, but, hey, but, but don't feel don't feel the need to censor yourself. Lauren. Like I said, whatever you want to give, well, we're happy just to kind of keep it rolling, as they say, and and get all the, don't ever feel like it's going too long. Because like I said, it's those little nuggets sometimes that people kind of walk away from me. Wow. You know, like. We didn't intend it to bring up Carradine, but that that brought something pretty cool for people to think about when you're you're mentioning this. So yeah, don't please don't feel the need to uh, to cut yourself off at all. Great. All right, uh, Lauren, I, we got a, some questions from some of our listeners. We uh, kind of reached out to them, and one of them was from our a uh, couple of our listeners, Bjorner from Norway, and uh, awesome Fabian, as he is well known in our circles from the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they wanted to know. Uh, There's a shy chap, I remember. Yeah. Very uh, modest. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, one of your uh, first big breaks was for uh, Cor Yoon and uh, No Retreat, No Surrender Two in Thailand. Uh, what was it? They want to know what was it like as a young man, uh, a Guaylo, if you will, going onto the stage, going onto a stage of that magnitude, starting in a film with uh, what people like Matthias Hughes, Cynthia Rothrock, Max Thayer. Uh, I mean. Uh, a lot of must have been demanded of you in terms of acting and martial arts and all that stuff. And I think it was that was your first lead role, I believe. That's you're absolutely right. That was the first one, and um, I was wet behind the ears, but you know, young and eager. And 
the thing is, is all of those other pros, you know, once I'd been accepted, like working out with Huang Zhongli, you, you, you know who Huang mm-hmm. Zhongli is, of course. Um, and, and Corey Yoon didn't hire me. Uh, you know, it was Roy Haran. So oh, okay. Roy was in LA looking for, you know, someone to replace Kurt because Kurt was on a soap opera and Van Damme had called him and said, you know, you know how they abused us on No Retreat, No Surrender. When we go to Thailand, they're going to kill us, you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> seriously, he, he literally scared him. And this is the story that I heard from the producers out of going back over. And I was like, you know, great. I have nothing to lose. I'm just ready to go, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it all happened so quickly. Um, literally, the phone rang. I had at, at the karate studio at Junchong Taekwondo, which actually they're having their 40th black belt reunion on May 4th. I won't be attending, but the thing is, is just happened to be there late at night. Pick up the phone, and it's this producer from Hong Kong. And of course, you know, this is where do you find talent in? Well, first of all, you go to L.A. Everything usually is cast out of L.A., even back then. And then you go other places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But luckily, I had studied acting for a year and a half and uh, I did it on the lark. Basically, I'd done some stuff with because my mom was a commercial producer and director. So she'd stuck me in front of the camera for, you know, May Company, Incarnation Milk or whatever. Yeah. But um, and and had done some stuff with the Ree brothers and uh, you know uh, Furious and Ninja Turf and stuff like that. So I got a little taste of being in front of the camera and that that you know buzz that you get. You get that you get bitten by the bug because literally when they say action, it's it's exhilarating. Yeah, and and you're and you're doing it, um, and then you're immortalized forever doing it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Yun Kuei, when I got there, put Matias and I together, we had to, first of all, it was the middle of the night when I got there. I'd just gotten off the plane. He got up. Roy, you know, said something to him, to Yun Kuei in, uh, Corey Yoon in Cantonese. And we did like a couple quick punch kick thing in the, to show him that I could do reactions and kind of walked away. And then the next morning, we've got Matias and I coming together in the parking lot. They're doing screen tests with us in Bangkok with the two of us before they – and they'd already had all the sets built. They're just sitting there on waiting to make this film. And um, so, you know, I was lucky that, you know, basically I foot the bill um, and uh, – when I showed up, there was Max Thayer there, who was a great mentor. There was, you know, Cynthia, who'd been there for a while. And I had seen Cynthia when she was on West Coast Demo Team with Ernie Reyes Jr. and George Chung, when Ernie Reyes Jr. was five years old, beating the crap out of George mm-hmm. Chung, you know, <laughs> doing demo stuff in tournaments, because that was my thing. You know, I'd go to the Heel Cho tournament and, you know, try to kick someone's butt and get a trophy. But... <laughs> The thing is, is uh, over there, uh, it was kind of, kind of rough going in the beginning for me because, um, you know, three different languages. Uh, I didn't know what was going on, but I had some instincts, and I had the obviously the abilities that they needed, and 
thank God I'd had a good acting coach, but you know, some of the material that you have to deliver, some of the lines that, you know, Max and I would be rewriting stuff in the van, you know, eventually <laughs> try to make it sound more natural and more like our character. Now that's horrible for any writers out there to hear, but you know, they get the credit if it works later on. And so does the director. And then we're the ones stuck there forever, you know, being looked at. And you're going to review King of the Kickboxers. And I want to say right now that a lot of the overacting I was forced to do. Right. But, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Lauren. That, I, you no need to apologize, if I may. Because one of the things we love about you is is that with action films, the, the key is to never be boring. And the fact that you go for it in a fighting sense and just with your character and your acting – is appealing because it's it's always entertaining to watch and it's fun to watch and that's the thing I think the thing we all want to take away from action films is having fun and being entertained which you always do if I if I may say so don't no need to apologize for that certainly thank you and that's exactly the goal I mean that's when I'm doing my thing my you know spirit or my you know whatever it is is saying they're all going to be watching me and I'm going to listen and react truthfully and. I'm going to be likable. And it sounds egocentric, but that's the simple terms. Those are result terms. But when you're there in the moment, you, you know, you want to engage with that other actor and with, and, and with the Chinese. This is something that a lot of, you know, new movies and modern movies, they, they don't really get is there is acting in the fighting and there yeah. are moments and yeah. there are, and that's what the Chinese emphasize. I mean, we get like two takes for the dialogue and then, you know, 20 takes to get, you know, a, an eight to tw 20 sequence, you know, uh, gaff fight, you know, thing done properly. And they were really re – and they were getting upset with me, actually, the, the Chinese stunt guys, because I really wanted to try to do as much as I possibly could. Um, you know, so the camera would see it's me so that the audience would know it was me and not a double. And believe me, a lot of those things I had to be doubled. It's just too dangerous, you know, and some of it I did as much as I could and they would do the other wide shots just as like, just like they do with any film with a double because, you know, they're, it's something that they can get. Uh, like sliding down, you know, from guard tower to guard tower or whatever. I mean, I did that, but, you know, and the Chinese stunt guys were getting upset. They were like, Lauren, you know, you, you do all stunts. We know work. Take a rest. Take a rest, you know. Yeah. But I wanted, to, I wanted to push the envelope, and I wanted to see if I could do it. And then I, I – and so I basically told them, I said, I, I will do, you know – Whatever I, whatever I think is too hard, you know, you guys can do. But the thing is, is let the editor choose later, which mm. is the best take. And you guys do it. Let me try one or two because I want to know that I can do it too. And so that's something that I looked at as an opportunity. And, and yeah, that was very demanding. It was, it was crazy. Um, I mean, there's so many. First of all, they took our passports, you know, when we arrived. So, you know, I can always go to the American embassy and, you know, tell them all the presidents that I can remember. And, you know, they can, they've got my fingerprints or what, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
But that doesn't bode well for the type of conditions that, you know, or the things that you're going to be exposed to or asked to do or the, the situations you're going to be put in, you know. And it, it was kind of hairy many, many times. And, um, but I ate it up. I mean, I just ate it up. It's like, uh, you know, I've never been a soldier, but with the martial arts and with that kind of discipline, you always want to know, can I do that and, you know, do it well and so on and so forth. And, and so it was a great opportunity. The first two weeks, I was totally frustrated because I'd have to ask him, what, what are we shooting? Well, what am I doing? You know, because they've got me all dolled up and whatever, you know, outfit or costume and we're here. And, and I'm like, I'm reading the script. And I know my, you know, I know what's going on. I know the scenes that we're going to be shooting. But what part of the scene, because they wouldn't do, sometimes they do, they start with the end of the scene, you know, shooting the dialogue and whatever, and then go back to the, you know, and this happens all the time. But, you know, the typical filmmaking is you shoot a master, you come in, you know, for coverage and so on and so forth right so it's yeah. pretty rudimentary these guys you never know what you never knew you just had to be ready for anything and that's good mm -hmm. because that kind of spontaneity or that kind of you know is it makes the film organic or more organic anyway right, right. so you know that that it was it was just it was an incredible learning experience for me and when i got home you know, it was hard to come back down. Um, it was when I got back to LA, I mean, I started training right away, you know, back at the, at the dojang, but man, it was, uh, it was a ride. It was incredible. It nice. really was. I gotta say, I gotta say personally, watching no retreat, no surrender too. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome how confident you come across on screen and how you just kind of burst on the scene i can remember in, yeah. ni in 1987 i was all of 14 years old and <laughs> and i think i saw no retreat no surrender by the time i was like maybe 15 16 i saw it on video and uh, i remember thinking man who's this guy where'd this guy come from you know because it just kind of comes across i mean talk about an actor that just kind of burst across the screen just kind of came out and boom here's this guy and i'm like wow man who's this guy and so you know i became a fan right then and there so i got to say it's, I, a lot of that stuff you're talking about behind the scenes it doesn't it doesn't translate across screen across the screen i seen i saw confidence and uh, it was really yeah. really impressive and that energy thank you and that is and, and that is you know, I, I got to say, I was a cocky bastard. I probably still am. <laughs> and, and that's what, that was the character. And, and, you know, every actor has a little bit of that character in them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, so that was me. Thank you for that compliment. Um, I, I, and entertainment is what it's all about. You know, speaking to a guy who, you know, produces films and so on and so forth. And, you know, if you're a pro, you're always the hardest on yourself. So, you know, there's the shoulda, woulda, couldas, but at the end of the day, I'm so fortunate to have had these experiences and been in that, in those spots to be, you know, able to, to do that. And, uh, it's just something that, I mean, there's thanks to YouTube, really, yeah. there's, there's more of a resurgence because these films from the golden age of, you know, Hong Kong cinema in the United States have kind of gotten lost and not all of them, but 
you know, some of the seasonal films, um, like No Retreat, No Surrender, the first one, uh, No Retreat, No Surrender 2, and 3, you know, King of the Kickboxers, uh, and other martial arts films that seasonal did. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 thank God for the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks. Thanks. I'm glad that, that that affected you that way. Let me tell you, when I saw myself, I, I went to the Hollywood cinema. Uh, I sat there in the audience and I was just drenched in sweat. And gripping, <laughs> gripping the arm guard, you know, the arm uh, chair rests or whatever the, through the whole film and hoping that, you know, I didn't look like a total, you know, dork. So, uh, and just drenched in sweat walking out. And I carried around that ticket stub from going and paying to see myself in my wallet for, I don't know, 20 years. So, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Matt? Uh, yeah, sure. You want to go right in order? or uh, What's that? You want to go right in order? Or? Uh, as far as the questions, Matt, you can jump around and do whatever you want to do, buddy. All right. I was going to say, um, yeah, I kind of feel like Jim Paxson uh, standing around watching Jordan dribble circles around the defense right now. <laughs> um, so, Lauren, you've worked with a lot of uh, you know veteran actors in your career. Obviously, Max Thayer in No Retreat, No Surrender 2. Uh, Joseph Campanella in three, uh, and then Don Stroud in King of the Kickboxers. Um, did you have any impressions of them before you started filming? Uh, and then what le lessons did you sort of learn from them as the production went on? Well, great question. Uh, Max Thayer um, was really, I didn't know who he was at all. I, I, he explained to me that he'd done you know some of these movies in the Philippines where he'd been an action star and so on and so forth, but Max, Mac Jarvis, yeah, he mm -hmm. he really was a great mentor, and we played off of each other so well. Um, he he was it was just such a blessing to have him. So my I didn't know him from Adam when we first met, but you know we became fast friends, and uh, he saw something in me, and he knew he knew what he was doing, but. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, you know, I, and I, when I go to LA, I always look him up and I go see him because, and I always give him props for being such a great mentor to me on that first, you know, starring role. And, um, you know, having Cynthia there, Cynthia was really cool. She was so nice and, and everybody was, was wonderful to work with. And Matias, was terrific. You know, the poor guy had to do all of his own stunts. You know, did you try to double a six foot, six, <laughs> uh, you know, German guy in the middle of Thailand? No can. So you know, props to him. Um, Joseph Campanella, consummate professional. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, the the actor that I worked with in Operation Golden Phoenix. Um, James Hong. Yes. I mean, he just – all these pros, they're so – you know, just – it's just business, you know, and it's just – there's no sort of air about them. Uh, but when the camera's on, they turn it on. And they're – Dick Jekyll, Don Stroud was a 
raging alcoholic and a crazy man. Um, it, when we shot that scene at by the river there, you know, he had a fifth of vodka down by his, you know, feet. <laughs> we were waiting all night long to shoot because we're shooting production sound, which means sound as we're, you know, shooting the actual scene, not dubbing. And you've got these boats going down the river with a V8 engines on them and <laughs> propellers, you know, 20 feet behind with no muffler all night long. So, you know, when we did get a chance to do a shot or two and, you know, you're dealing with pros, you know, Don was just spot on, even though he was hammered <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, and then Dick Jekyll, bless his heart. I mean, he, he was having trouble walking. Yeah. So that's why you don't see him moving too much. He's in the Jeep. He's sitting down he, in the office. He walks across, you know, and so on and so forth. Because I don't know if it was his knee or his hip or what, but, you know, he, he had done some stuff too. Um, and I had so much respect for him. And the thing about these guys is, is we're there to do a job. And they basically were, you know, they made me better. And, um, it was just a blessing to, to be with them and to work with them. Now I've had the other type of actors around as well. And what happens is, is the tone that those people set affects everyone in, in, uh, in the show, mm -hmm. whether it be you as the actor or the crew or, you know, the directors or the producers. And so, you know, I'm lucky that I had these sort of counterparts and um, supporting cast that were already, you know, big time experienced actors and big names that were so humble and, and, and gracious and, and, um, you know, they, they just were pros. They, they wanted the film to look good. They wanted me to look good. They wanted to look good and they were going to do whatever was asked of them. And they didn't make a fuss. And that, you know, that was a big lesson for me is just watching them do it, you know, over and over and just be, you know, as soon as it's rolling, speed, mark, action, you know, they're just on. Nice. And it makes you on because, mm -hmm. you know, you, you forget everything else that's going on. Uh, and, uh, you know, 30 seconds later or 20 seconds later, it's cut and, you know, people are milling around or doing whatever's going on but you're still you know it's it's hard to describe but it was it was a great blessing to have uh people like that to work with and you know so so we could make the material work because as you said it's entertainment and some of these situations are just so far-fetched that you know it, it's not believable but it's a movie come on you know, I, you know so we made it work and working with them was just just amazing and um uh, you know, Dick Jekyll, I, th I think, is gone. Um, Joseph, um, Joseph, I don't recall if he's still with us or not. And uh, Don Stroud, what happened to Don is, is he went back to L.A. And then I guess probably a year after that, he was trying to break up some kind of fight in Venice Beach and got his face slashed. Um, and so that's why you didn't see a lot of him after that. Yeah. Yeah, he lost so, an eye. He lost an eye in that. There you yeah. go. So, um, I mean, you never know. But it was just great to to work with those guys. 
and uh, I was lucky. That's all I can say. Yeah, this wasn't really in the question, but I, I got to ask because you know you guys have one of the great finales in all of action cinema, in my opinion. But what was it like working with uh, Billy Blanks? Uh, you know what? He at that time he was seven time world karate champion. He he could pick the buttons off your shirt. He was so fast. Wow. Uh, for a heavyweight, you know, like a Muhammad Ali, seriously, and and he's so incredibly athletic. Mm-hmm. And he and Keith Cook and I, we would train together, uh, whether it would be the hallway of the hotel or the, you know, wh- whenever we could get our training in, we would. And here I'm, I'm working with the seven-time world karate champion, um, who is he's so humble. Um, every night, all he wanted to do was, you know, read the Bible and get back home to his wife. And he came up to me and he said, Lauren, this is your movie. And, you know, whatever, whatever we do, I want, you know, I want you to be happy and I want it, I want it to be great. And, you know, that just set the tone because again, egos now working with Jerry Trimble in the beginning, (laughs) I don't know if you know Jerry. Yeah, we're, I'm I'm well aware of Jerry because he's kind of a I, I, I'm in Kentucky and Jerry's from a northern Kentucky area, so he's he con- was pissed that I was a star and he was uh. pissed. <laughs> so the first thing he did was hit me in the balls. Oh, oh man! So you know, basically after that, the the Chinese guys let him have it because you know he's putting their jobs on the line. And yeah. we were on the docks of Hong Kong. I mean, that's really not a time to, excuse me, fuck around with the Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> because you can become chum very quickly after they end your part in the film. But the thing is, is that, uh, you know, he basically, but that, you know, sort of that tension between us, it helped. Yeah. We, You know, you make things work. And... You know, I wasn't going to give in to that, you know, sort of small mindedness there because I had a lot of other stuff to do and worry about. And um, so, you know, after he kicked me in the balls and you know, <laughs> smacked me a few times, really, um, I just I wouldn't I wouldn't retaliate. But when the Chinese had their, you know, to do their thing, they would let him have it. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, Billy Blanks, honestly, he was so terrific to work with. And he hits hard. I got to tell you, there's one scene or one move where he does sort of an axe kick over my back. And I don't know, his heel hit some lung point or something. And I was just absolutely (laughs) like this afterwards. And... You know, he 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 was really generous. And when we would do these um, combinations and when we would, you know, do, sometimes they over crank the camera. I'm, I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. They'll mm-hmm. shoot it at mm-hmm. 22 or 19 frames a second when they did use 30 an actual, you know, actual film and in a camera to get the speed uh, that they wanted. With us, a lot of the times they couldn't do that because we were already so fast that they they couldn't overcrank. But see, if mm-hmm. they they have to also make the last shot match 
the shot that they're you know cutting into and we would do things called double action which means of course we're repeating the same action to continue that gaff from a different angle or whatever would make it work um, but I don't know if you notice and or you will notice that when he first comes in for the first part of the that movie the first scene he really shoots is where he does uh, I think the fight with is it Ken Goodman um, who is this guy who's, you know, has been hired to be the star of this action movie and they're going to kill him because mm-hmm. it's a, it's snuff film. Yeah. It's right. a karate mm-hmm. snuff film. And you say, and he says, you know, they are waiting for me. And you see the guns on this guy. I mean, <laughs> he was just huge. But if you notice the fight that we do at the end, he had lost almost 30 pounds because you know, he came over after pumping iron and being ready to rock. And then we were shooting 14 hours a day and, you know, 98% humidity and 100, and 100 degree weather and, you know, whatever food we could get and whatever, you know, I mean, wasn't optimal. And, um, but he was just amazing. And Billy is that guy and, you know, the Tybo videos who, you know, wants to, make you better and wants to pump you up and he he can do it he can still do it and i mean just working with that kind of athlete is unbelievable uh and but he was so humble and he was a great guy to work with i was never worried for a second that he wasn't going to you know punch my face off nice because he could have yeah you know and um you know, so he was very generous and great man. He's just, he's a great man. That's great. nice to hear because, you know, inevitably, like you were saying with the egos, Lauren, it's an industry where there's a lot of testosterone flowing. There's, everyone wants to be kind of the man. And to hear that as someone we, we really dig here, I know I can speak for all, all three of us, to hear that he was a great guy, it adds that much more because now that we're grown men, and you can kind of read more about people's careers. It, it's, it takes a little shimmer off the stars sometimes to hear that your, your cinematic heroes your, or your athletic heroes were shitheads. So to hear that Billy was, was a, a class act is, is great to hear. Truly a class act. And uh, boy, could that guy – I mean w- when we were uh, – quick story. We, were, we, we all went to Pat Pong. Now he's married. Pat Pong is where they have the, you know, the, the strip clubs and the – you know, the, there's a lot of liberty in Thailand, shall we say. <laughs> and um, and so we, we just went out and he just went along to go along. And so we go in to see a show. Come on, we're guys. I'm, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? we're there. Come on. <laughs> so he goes and literally we, we go in this place. I'm with two of the greatest martial artists in the world. And uh, we go in and maybe two minutes later, you know, the show's over and we're surrounded, seriously surrounded. I think it was five of us by about 12 guys holding knives openly. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, and they're like 800 baht. And we're like, for what? We just got here. The show's over. You got to pay. <laughs> so we all just reached in our pockets and gave them the 800 baht. <laughs> Oh, and wow. walked out and um you know so this is this is a thing and you know we laughed about it later but you know uh billy and um and keith cook and so on and so forth uh, you know you, you can't go somewhere you know what i mean and, and try to be the king of the hill yeah 
always going to get smushed. And you're right. It is kind of crappy to know that later on somebody's a prick or, you know, yeah. like Mel Gibson is ruined forever. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> just it. You know, things like that. So, yeah, no, Billy was awesome. And I have to say most of, of, the, of my counterparts have always been really, really amazing athletes and, um, you know, really cool people. Good, good. Um, one of our listeners, Gunnar from Iceland, actually wants to know. He kind of dug up something pretty obscure. He wanted to know anything you can pass along about a film you did directed by Conan Lee called Carjack, a.k.a. Rumble in L.A. It doesn't really seem to be available even in this day and age online. Thank God. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, you know, I love Conan. Um, he is uh, another, you know, uh, he was he was under contract to see into seasonal as well, but he never fulfilled his obligations. We met in Hong Kong. He was there to star to do a three picture deal or to start one of do a film, one of three. And I was there working with Seon and he had worked with seasonal as well. Uh, we got along great. Um, uh, you know, Brooklyn born Chinese guy. Yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing martial artist. Um, uh, in his day, you know, he was the Jackie Chan. He was, you know, working with Jackie and doing, he was Jackie's double too, you know, and, uh, but, uh, you know, tremendously charismatic guy, but, Car Jack or Rumble in L.A., you know, we had – it was – you know, we were working in L.A. Basically, it was an ultra-low budget, you know, kind of deal. And when I did the film uh, – and I hope my union never hears the part of me doing it in L.A., but whatever. The thing is, is uh, like you said, the film can't be found, so there's no evidence. The thing is um, – <laughs> You know, basically what it turned out to be is there's a couple of clips of some fights that he and I did on YouTube that are they're pretty cool. And a couple of those gaffes were, you know, we had Bolo there. Now, Bolo is, you know, not a real martial artist, although he is. He's more of a bodybuilder, you know. Yeah. But he knows camera. And he was, you know, this is the thing about working in town. You know, you've got everybody there. Hey, you want to come out and play or you want to sit at home and, you know read a book. I'd rather go, go to the set. Come on, you know, so, but anyway, Conan had, uh, this, uh, idea for a film and he was funding it or had some, some, something going on. So we shot the movie and, um, I remember seeing it under some distributor in Milan in 1996, but, and I saw the trailer for it and basically it was, <laughs> Conan driving away in his Mercedes, Conan doing two finger push ups. Conan you know, it was the Conan Lee I love I love me trailer. The Conan show. The Conan show. Without the 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 Conan that we all know that's a Chinese guy. In any case, but there were some snippets of that movie that are that are pretty cool. Um, but it never made the grade to to be released. So I guess it was, or it could have been in some markets, but it, it just, the film, the content of the film was, you know, there were some good parts and a lot of other parts, if you know what I mean. So yeah. I didn't, I've never even seen a full copy of it, mm. um, but oh, it wow. does exist. And um, I know he's tried to repackage it and do this and do that, but, you know. There's uh, some cool little fight snippets on on YouTube, and um, 
and that's about it. You know, yeah. so Carjack slash Rumble in L.A. is and shall remain a great mystery. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, you were credited as a fight choreographer on Tiger Claws 3. Uh, did your years of uh, performing fight choreography kind of prepare you for that role? Absolutely. And, you know, there really was a stunt coordinator and other fight choreographers and so on. And I choreographed. And when you work together on, on any martial arts film, unless it's the Chinese, and, and I learned this too, is especially, you know, you, if you're working with talent that you've never worked with. You, you know, you, you set them aside and you say, you know, put together a, a sequence for me and let me see it or, you know, whatever it was. So luckily, you know, there's a lot of great talent in Toronto. So, um, but also a lot of my great stuff never made it in the movie oh, wow. because I think that when you see something powerful and then you cut to something that looks choreographed. Because again, you want to be explosive. You want to be unpredictable. You want, you don't want to, you know. That's some. That's one of the things that I'm critical about myself in No Retreat Two. Is there are some shots where I'm blocking already, you know, mm-hmm. and it's because, uh, you know, I'm I'm still learning, mm-hmm. and uh, but in in, you know, in the in the sequence of of, of all these movies. Everybody contributes, you know, to to the choreography. I've choreographed stuff that you know most things, and never gotten credit because wow. somebody has to get credit for the overall, and that's their job, and and that's cool. They right. can have the credit. Uh, the thing about Tiger Claws was it was kind of cool because I got to, I got to be the baddie, yeah. and a lot mm. and a lot of people you know kind of cr- criticized me for that, like you know. Could you do that? And I was like, I'm an actor, you know, and this is a That's chance. Yeah, this is a chance to play a role. And you know that uh, when you play a bad guy, you can't act bad. A bad guy just thinks he ha- could, you know, has the right to do what others just don't, you know, have the guts or the, you know, they feel entitled. They, feel, you know, what I mean. So that's how you get get away with it so it gives you so much freedom to play a character like that and it was so much fun um it's you know one of my first baddies and uh it was it you know and i played a few more baddies for jalal mm-hmm. but um mm-hmm. you know so the thing is is that i enjoyed and have enjoyed whether it's working you know doing stunts on tv or whatever it's a team effort somebody gets the credit ultimately but you know you you got to make it work and it's got to be it's got to be good so I, I just was lucky that uh, i had that opportunity and uh they you know they gave me the credit for it so you know lauren another one i, I got to ask just with uh tiger class three is uh, what was it like to work with carter wong because we're we're kind of fans of his here you know what he was really cool oh, nice. and and um you know again the face on that guy, you know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's intense. Oh, yeah. And, uh, he was very generous again, you know, very generous. Um, and, and we just, we just had a lot of fun, uh, doing these things. Now, working, you know, on the set in Toronto or, first of all, I love Canada. 
the nicest people, the nicest people ever. It's just too effing cold most of the time for your schooling. Or, you know, I, w- I would, would have spent more time there. And, um, you know, but I loved working in Canada. And as a matter of fact, there should be a film coming out called Risk Factor one of these years that's been, you know, many years in the making because they'd shoot a bit and then run out of money. Shoot a bit and run out of money. But this is independent film, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. But uh, – no, it was it was just uh, just great. Good stuff. I'm glad to hear that. I'm, I'm I'm in Toronto. I don't know if you knew that, Lauren, but I've uh, I've lived here my whole life, so it's it's good that you have uh, kind of things to say about my motherland. So, well, That's I have good things to say, and you know what? I'm working in Lebanon or working wherever with Canadian crew, and you guys being out in the cold at 50 below. I mean, you know, you guys got guts. I mean. <laughs> Amazing. We got we got warm boots. I don't know about guts. It's warm boots well, and a good a warm fur lined hood. Got to have the guts to put the boots on to go outside. Amen. Hey, Hello. So anyway, uh, that's, that's uh, awesome. Um, could you talk a bit more about your experience working in the Philippines on a film called? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we're here. Hello? Everybody yeah. here? Can you hear us? I can. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. Um, Lauren, could you talk a bit about your experience working in the Philippines on a film called uh, Fighting Spirit? Um, I know you work with uh, an actor, Sean Donahue, um, who I know the gentlemen are a big fan of, having covered a film called uh, Parole Violators. That kind of hit a lot of sweet spots for the audience here. Um, what memories do you have of the film and uh, your co-star, Sean Donahue, and that experience in general? Well, um, it was it was kind of a, a quick and... and uh, I don't know, a quick deal that was made. Um, a chap named uh, Jacob Bressler in L.A. Uh, knew the producer uh, in, in the Philippines, and they needed you know, somebody to, to star on this movie. And they'd already started shooting and so on and so forth. And, and um, so I literally had been dating my future wife, who happened to be Filipina. So, uh, I made the deal, uh, arrived and read the script. I hadn't even read the script, read the script and was like, holy crap. (laughs) Can we do some, can we talk about this? Can we make a few changes? So on and so forth. So basically Sean was terrific. I mean, he, he's, uh, again, a, a gifted athlete, you know, has some martial arts, uh, experience, but mostly the athletic ability. Yeah. And, um, that's when I knew it, you know, and I think that was 92 ish somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, long time ago. But, um, you know, we stayed in touch after fighting spirit. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he, I can't remember what he lived somewhere in Cali and was, you know, was still making independent film and, I think doing stunt work and doing other things as well. Um, but, you know, Sean was a terrific guy and is a terrific guy. And I think that somehow in the world distribution, they call that movie King of the Kickboxers 2. Oh, wow. Yeah. They do. And, yeah. And there is a, you know, big picture of Sean there, you know, yelling. <laughs> you're, Yours truly is somewhere on the poster, but the thing is, is that, um, you know, Fighting Spirit, again, was an opportunity to go and work, and the producer and the director, who's a Filipino guy, 
great to work in the Philippines, first of all, um, compared to Thailand. I mean, love Thailand so much, but everybody speaks English in the Philippines. Yeah. And, mm. and uh, it's, um, you know, it's a Christian country and whatever. I mean, uh, there's a little bit more understanding of, you know, the American mentality and so on and so forth. But it was, it was fun, uh, to work there. And I got to travel around a bit. I negotiated for my then girlfriend and they started calling her my wife. Cause of course it's a Catholic country. You go over there and you're <laughs> with the, with the Filipina and you're not married then, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they they started calling her my wife. I guess it stuck because I ended up marrying her and having a daughter with her. But um, nice. the thing is, is Sean was uh, Sean was a terrific guy to, to work with and uh, always willing. And we had one guy from who I do a fight with um, in what in Tagaytay, which was Franco. You know the the guy who was in power there. He had. It was some palace or something that they had started building somewhere in Tagaytay, and that's where we do this fight. And it's that Jackie Chan, this one Chinese guy, who basically was the all-around coordinator and whatever on fighting spirit. <laughs> and I remember he would get up at the crack of dawn, and he'd just step out on the balcony and go, you know, like wake everybody. <laughs> and he was so cool. I mean, uh, and it was great working with him. And, you know, he was just, it was terrific. And Sean was terrific. And we made it work. Nice. You know, uh, Greg Douglas, um, who is uh, sort of the, the heavy in that, um, a, a real time SWAT guy, you know, a, a mm. real, uh, you know, Real, real dude. Very generous. You know, took care of me. Took we took care of each other. I mean, you know, he's busting through real bricks. Those aren't like you know movie bricks that they put together out of foam. You know, those are you know real bricks. He's crashing through. You know, real, real pieces of. of and, you know, so it was really kind of neat um, being in PI and, and working with Sean and with Greg and. Uh, you know, the result is some, some pretty cool stuff. Now, I don't know if you you guys have seen Manhattan Chase. Have you guys heard of that film? Well, Godfrey Ho did. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you a little bit further into the thing, but this would be a great opportunity now to ask you. We're, me and Will, and I'm pretty sure I speak for Carl a little bit too, but we are fans of Godfrey Ho. And I was mm-hmm. curious what it was like to work with Godfrey Ho. Godfrey is a trick. <laughs> Um, he is the, there's some stuff on YouTube behind the scenes. You don't really see God for that much, but he's got the hat on. He's got the glasses. He's got the scarf around his neck, you know, yeah. he's director. And, um, you know, again, very creative. Thank God we had Steve Tartaglia there who I, again, I met in Hong Kong on the docks there. He does that fight with, uh, with me and, uh, Jerry Trimble. He's one of Jerry's thugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so Manhattan chase and working with Godfrey was awesome. I mean, and because Steve was living in New York, he was living in hell's kitchen. He brought out all these great athletic martial artists and they sold out for us, you know? Um, and Cynthia was terrific about stuff and, you know, we made it work. 
but Manhattan Chase was it was a lot of fun, and there's some good fights in that um, in that film as well, um, especially at um, and I can't remember the character's name, but the guy from uh, the guy who was the main bad guy, um, he was in The Rock with Sean Connery, and he, but he was terrific, and um, we do a fight in that. Uh, in his lair, and there's some, and and so we had sort of almost a Hong Kong level, but you know doing it ourselves in Brooklyn, and uh, and so it was, was kind of cool. And working with Godfrey was great. I mean, you know he he would ask questions and he would make things better. He tell he tell us what he wanted, and then you know he you know like for example. Um, when I'm pointing the gun at, you know, those guys and I say, you know, I hate you both now turn around or whatever, <laughs> you know, he asked me, he said, you know, how do you want to shoot this? Lauren? Th- these are great directors. Yun Kuei asked me um, the romantic scene in No Retreat, No Surrender too. Lauren, how would you shoot this? And I said, well, I do a 50, 50 and I do over the, my shoulder and over her shoulder and we've got five Panavision cameras. Let's use them. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, uh, Godfrey was terrific. And we, we, you know, again, we just made stuff work. And if you look at that YouTube thing, you know, the thing that's interesting about working with the Chinese, bless their hearts, I'm a tall person. They're not. So they set some sort of frame to for some action to work, and it works for them. But then I try to do it, and it doesn't work because I need a little more room. Yeah. So you know, it's just little things like that that you'll see in that in the behind the scenes thing, and you know, doing stuff in Central Park, and you know, hanging out in New York, and making a movie was was a lot of fun. And and Godfrey, Godfrey was and is pretty. You know, you, you really got to be on your toes with him, and. Uh, <laughs> And so, you know, he, he it, it was a great product that, you know, ended up, we ended up with. And, and it was because of Godfrey and his creativity. Nice. So. Nice. Yeah, you, there's not a lot about, you know, Godfrey on. I mean, there is a lot about him online, but not a lot of interviews and whatnot. And I've never seen him before, so I happened to watch those behind-the-scenes things just to kind of get an idea of what the quote-unquote great Godfrey Ho looks like. And, uh, wow, it was pretty It was pretty cool to see you on there and everything. Like you guys were having a good time. We were. We were. Absolutely. You kind of worked all over the world. What's been your favorite place to uh, film a production? Oh, jeez. Anywhere they're paying me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, you know what? To be honest, I, I, I can't – I would say overall because I spent probably nine months – in Thailand, probably Thailand, um, just simply because of the culture. Uh, it's just, and it's just a beautiful place. I mean, you don't want to be there during the rainy season, but it is just, it's just absolutely breathtaking. I mean, I live in Hawaii in a jungle here, so (laughs) I mean, you know, I would live in Thailand in a jungle, but there's things that'll bite you and kill you. And there's, (laughs) you know, bullets are cheap. I mean, you, you, you drive around, Bangkok and a tuk-tuk, you know, and you, the driver hits the brakes, and the first thing you see is the forty-five caliber in his, you know, stuck in his in his uh, belt, <laughs> and uh, you know bullets are cheap. Yeah. 
so are lives over there. But, um, you know, the thing is, is I'd say that's probably my favorite if I had to choose one because of the culture and, uh, and the food and the, and the beauty of the, of these places. Um, it's just, it's, it's captivating and, and their culture is, you know, the Buddhist cultures, it's very spiritual and, you know, they, when you greet someone, you put your hands together and you walk, um, you know, and to me, that's just beautiful. And of course, again, I'm just going to sound like a total chauvinist, but great country for a guy to live in. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. There you go. Excellent. Um, one of the things we, we often talk about, because we, we tend to focus on a lot of older films, 70s, 80s, 90s, um, specifically with genre films. I mean, we do a lot of other criterion and kind of arty stuff, but when, whenever we look at films uh, of an, under the umbrella of action, um, we talk about some of the transitions that action films have gone through. And I want to know what your feelings are with um, the transition that martial arts films have gone through in terms of quality and volume, uh, especially since the golden age in Hong Kong and U.S. in the 80s and 90s, as well as the transition from single disciplines in films or a lot less disciplines in films to more of an MMA feel that it's going towards. Well, you know, it's all sort of audience driven, I guess, in, in some sense or, you know, what the directors or producers think, you know, people want to see. But for me, you know, a lot of MMA stuff, it, there's it doesn't translate too well cinematically. Yeah. You have to allow for, you know, uh, the, you know, it, it's just an example, and, and I digress here, but like Ip Man, for example, if you watch Donnie Yen, oh, yeah. and, and he's doing some kicks and they're doing some stuff that would never be done, you know, Wing Chun stylist would never do because, you know, you have to make it more cinematic. That's why Bruce would do these bolo, you know, cowboy punches and, Bruce Lee, I'm speaking of, and, and, you know, he, he, you know, would, would do other things. Now, when, when Buffy the Vampire Slayer came out, you know, eons ago, and here's this cheerleader doing karate in a movie, I said to myself, wow, okay, it, it's on. It's going to be in everything now. They're going to find a way to put a kick in. Or, and that's how I got some early stunt work is that again, like Roy Haran calling the karate studio. Well, a lot of these Hollywood stunt guys, they couldn't throw a kick. So they call a karate studio. But as far as transitioning in, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousand, you know, I mean, there's some great stuff out there, um, that it has been done, but there's also great stuff that's been ruined by poor choices in, you know, by the director, unfortunately, if he didn't turn it over to somebody who really knows how to shoot action or they're covering for the star or the non-martial artist and the, the athletic or the karate stuff was secondary. For me, it's all the same. You know, it's, it's all part of it. But a lot of times in later films, you'll see that they're cheating with the camera. You're not seeing the action you're seeing bits and pieces or chops and and you know that they're hiding i know that they're hiding something and a lot of people don't a, a lot of for a lot of others it's it's that's it but again you know it just really depends 
that's something that I really um, – it, it just varies. It depends on who the director is. Like, for example, Dick Donner and Lethal Four, smart enough to turn the entire set and production over to Yun Kuei and say, that's yours, everything's yours, whatever you need to make Jet Li, you know, do his thing. And so Dick Donner – Hollywood turned it over. So a lot of times I think Hollywood uh, directors and so on and so forth, they don't understand. And uh, I'm sorry, cinematographers or directors of photography or whatever, they don't – they're interested in the story and moving along the, the, the story or whatever, but they also don't know necessarily how to shoot the action or they over-choreograph and or they – you know, they don't spend the time, whereas the Chinese will, you know. <clears throat> yeah. So that's the thing. is It's it's really hard for me to watch sometimes because I sit there and I go, okay, bullshit, wrong, no, that's not the, that's not the actor. No, that sucked. Or I'm blown away by, you know, somebody really selling out because it's really the team and it's – Everybody, you know, coming together to make it look good and, and 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 sound good and feel good and you know go people be just like wow how did they do that and unfortunately sometimes um, the biggest budget movies you know you look at some of the stuff and you go all right come on and. Um, it's, it's it's really about taste, I guess. It's really about what the audience wants, and you know, going with the flow of what's cool currently or what you know. I, I get it, but as as a pro and you as a you know professional audience, for me, I, you know, a lot of the stuff doesn't translate, and um, <clears throat> I'd rather. You know, look, I love seeing Randy Couture, you know, playing, being in an action film with Stallone or, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, in, what was he using? In Expendables or right. Expendables? Yep. You know what I mean? I love that. I love seeing The Rock do his thing. You know, these guys have great presence mm-hmm. on camera. But, you know, do I want to see a... Uh, you know, Randy hugging somebody up against a cage? No. Um, <laughs> it's not cinematic. To, no, it's just no, not, it's it's not, not. going to work. You know that he'll, if you felt it, it works, but <laughs> in any case. So that's just, you know, my humble opinion. I think keeping it simple and making it powerful and explosive sometimes is not the goal or, you know, just the director or the, the group doesn't think it's important or however they've shot it they've shot it and now we're moving on and and it's they get a lot of tv sort of you know it's too shot too tight and can't really see what's going on and they're hiding stuff you know so if if the camera's back or you know the people can really do it then you get to see more of it and i enjoy that but oh yeah it's really all about you know what works for me and a lot of it doesn't so go ahead matt i'll let you go uh if you had to choose who was your favorite uh fight choreographer to work with and why 
Jesus. Oh man. Um, you know, again, it's that, that's a real tough one. It's, it's, it would have to be Tony Leon Shin Hong, um, who again was very generous and, you know, would be standing off camera, you know, about to punch me in the face and, said, <laughs> and saying, all right, all right, we're friends, right? We're friends. <laughs> As, as he's about to have me turn into his fist and punch me in the face. So the, the, probably him. But again, it's a team effort. If the stunt guys and everybody else wasn't selling out and wasn't doing their, their part, it wouldn't work. Um, but as, as far as being the, the best choreographer and the, the, the best one that I worked with, it's probably Tony. And Tony is the Green Dragon Master in Ip Man. Ah, yes. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, seeing him again and working at our age doing that stuff, wow. You know, uh, just awesome. And Samo. And, I mean, just it, it, it gives me just – I become speechless and start babbling like I'm doing right now because it's just – it's amazing. These guys are amazing. And they make and they are so generous. They made me look great. Yeah. And I know Black Belt magazine way back in the day and somewhere in the archives I have a copy of the issue of only Bruce Lee came out as better choreographed or better done films than the ones that Yun Kuei and uh, Lucas Lowe and Tony Lee and Shin Hong choreographed put together and again team effort when we were working on these hong kong movies sometimes Lin Kuei had to split you know he'd be gone for three or four days so there'd be a replacement coming in and so the choreographer or the, the stunt team and in hong kong it's basically five guys and the coordinator and sometimes the coordinator jumps in there and, and does stuff too of all different shapes and sizes that can basically double anybody and do anything and are not afraid to really to basically kill themselves. So you know, pretty cool. So basically, I think it would be Tony. But you know, I, I, that's not really fair because it's it's really uh, you know whatever whoever was in and in, in control or got to make the choices. You know, they uh, they they were you know, the ones who, who, who made it happen. But Tony was terrific to work with. I did two films with him, Blood Brothers and King of the Kickboxers. And, you know, so nice. I'd, have, I'd have to say Tony. Nice. Fantastic. Nice. Um, Lauren, do you have a favorite dramatic performance of your own? Oh, God. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, any, anybody, uh, I don't, I have trouble watching myself, honestly. Um, and because uh, I always go, oh, jeez, <laughs> I, I, I could have done that better or, you know, maybe if I'd done this or that. So the shoulda, woulda, coulda syndrome. But, sure, sure. you know, some of the simplest stuff, uh, you know, there's a couple scenes um, in King of the Kickboxers you're about to see when I go to the Thai boxing school and, you know, I make fun of the the Thai boxers and put their ass in the ring. And, and then the big guy comes and finds me and he can't really speak English. He's talking like wood, yeah. but you know, I love the fact that he, you know, cause finally I get served, you know, in the movie cause I'm such a cocky bastard through the whole thing. 
and he lays me out. And I, you know, and I get to say, he says, wait, where are you going? I'm like, why? You want to show me some more moves? You know, (laughs) so me being a smart ass, um, you know, and getting to be myself is uh, some of some of my favorite moments. Um, You know, dramatic stuff uh, in in these movies. I don't really have a a favorite. Um, It's I have trouble watching myself. perform because oh fair enough uh, it's just it's just hard it, it's hard to look at myself and go oh gosh i was so so great wasn't i i, I can't, I can't <laughs> no that that's fair even watching um i guess the only frame of reference i would have certainly is even watching home videos of uh you know holidays and stuff sometimes I'll, I'll see something a little bit where you know you you kind of doing some hamming up for the camera think oh man so i can appreciate on this much smaller scale <laughs> Where you're coming from with that? <laughs> Thanks, brother. I appreciate. That. Yeah, uh, Lauren. I don't know how much of uh, your time we still have. Um, you, you have as much as you much as you need. Oh, okay. That's oh, great. Thank you. Thank. We appreciate that. Mm. Um, okay, so uh, let me see what question want to go with here. Oh, let's go. Uh, you were a programmer for a film festival for a time. I was. Can you tell us about that a little bit? What kind of films you programmed? Absolutely. It's called the Method Fest. I don't know if it's still in existence or not, but uh, oddly enough, met a chap who is a filmmaker at the kickboxing gym. I never, after, you know, I got a few degrees of black belt, yeah, but I hate hated going to the school or schools all the time and having everybody kowtow and have to put on the uniform, do all that stuff. So I would go train at this Muay Thai gym in Hermosa Beach. Because you could just walk in, they didn't care who I was, and I didn't care who they were, and you know. But there were some great athletes, and they had all the equipment and all the stuff. So I meet this guy. He's a filmmaker, and he is one of the sort of sponsors and programmers of this film festival. And he discovers who I am because I don't advertise. I don't walk around with a you know a sign over my head going, "Hey, here I am," right? <laughs> and you know, basically at that time. Um, I was doing the single dad thing and I was stunting and, you know, just trying to make ends meet, honestly. Um, and he, he's like, you know, Lauren, you'd be great, uh, working with us on the method fest. So I, so I met these guys and, um, did it for a few years. And basically it's just anybody who's produced a short film or a film that had some acting chops or they thought had some acting chops, uh, they'd submit their film and a programmer watches well i watched as much as i could you know some of these things i mean six seven hundred submissions you know and some of them uh, i've got to say gentlemen uh, you just go god i hope nobody spent money on this (laughs) ouch uh but so so i got involved in that so that i could still be a part of the community and, um, you know, basically, you know, have a chance to, to do something and watch what's current. What are, what are people doing? What, you know, what, because now in this day and age, really, you just, you can go buy a camera, get the software, you got a laptop, an external hard drive and some editing software and you're, you can make a movie. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. You know, back in the day when I started, you needed all kinds of other stuff. So it was very interesting. So I did that for a couple of years, 
and um, it was it was a lot of fun. It really was, but sometimes a little tedious because it's amazing what people will make and submit to you know to try to get some exposure and be chosen or be a part of this a film festival because that's you know for a lot of filmmakers really the only chance that anybody is going to have to really see their film a lot of these films will never be seen ever yeah except perhaps they they're upload to youtube right so if they happen to be chosen and they happen to you know get in the festival they get some press and um, they get to rub elbows and meet other filmmakers and, you know, go to some parties and have some fun. So that was a great experience. And, um, you know what, it, awful lot of free work, you know, but, but fun, fun to be involved with. And then to, you know, sort of round table and discuss and, you know, put your notes in and, you know, um, I did basically the features. Uh, I told them that I didn't really, I wasn't really interested in the shorts unless there was something that they were having, you know, they didn't really get or they were wondering, you know, about. And I might watch to be sort of a deciding vote or, you know, that kind of thing. But it was just a great chance to see what people were doing creatively with, you know, what they got. And uh, surprising to get six or seven hundred submissions, and every year it would increase. So that means new stuff every year, you know. So that's that's a lot of you know people trying to to live the dream. Yeah. Oh yeah. That uh, that fest is still going on for what it's worth. I just uh, took a look. So. Well, right on. Good for them. Good for them. Excellent. Probably see Kirk Harris. I think Kirk Harris is the chap's name that that I met, and he's a self-made you know filmmaker. You know, put his own stuff together, and um, you know, again, just basically a couple of. He's a boxer, and um, you know, we're working out at the kickboxing gym, and that's how that's how it happened. So. Nice, um, a guy. I don't know. This was kind of a shot in the dark for us, Lauren, but we figured we'd ask if you happen to know. Harold Diamond, uh, that was his stage name anyway. His um, his real name that he, he did kickbox under was Harold Roth. But he's a uh, he's a kickboxer from South Florida. He did a, you know a fair number of films. I don't know if if you ever crossed paths with him. I talked to him a couple of times, um, but only really you know admired his his skill. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Stallone didn't really let him get off. Yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. The thing is, is uh, Harold is, is a, a very talented martial artist. And so, you know, uh, the only tie-in that I really have with him is that scene in uh, King of the Kickboxers where I go and I do my first tie fight is the same warehouse where Harold and Sly do their stick fight. Oh, wow. Oh, very cool. In, uh, what is it, Rambo? Three. The three. three. Yeah. yeah. Holy cow. And so, you know, that's that was kind of neat. Uh, but other than that, that's I really haven't had any any discourse with with Harold, but I do admire his abilities and uh, you know and what he and what he brought to to the screen and also, you know, as a kickboxer. I mean, you know, he's a pretty talented guy. Mm-hmm. So and great as a, you know, scream up, you know, our niece or, you know, 
Kali practitioner as well, as a weapon stylist as well. Just an amazing martial artist. All right. Um, you, you talked a little bit about stunt work before. Do you, t- you know, do you try to do as much stunt work as possible in your films for yourself? I mean, it appears you do. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, um, I I want to I want to get in there and you know get dirty as much as I possibly can. Um, and and the thing is is you know that's and and doing stunt work behind this you know working on television shows and stuff like that. The stunt department we get to have the most fun you know <laughs> honestly i think and um so yeah i try to as much as possible i will step back or or if the production and a lot of times production won't let you because if you get hurt you know guess what everybody you know stops working producers have lost money and the film is over or the you know production is 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 shut down for a while. So that's uh, absolutely something that I aspire to. But, you know, there, there's limitations. And as you, I get, think one of your questions eventually was about Clint Eastwood. And, you know, as he says in his movie, you know, his dirty, hairy man's got to know his limitations. So, you know, <laughs> nice. it's true. It's true. But it, it adds something, you know, seeing your films, seeing – you know, inevitably, uh, with with more, I guess, more Western films than anything. You know, the camera pulls back, and and it's a stuntman. But it, it's pretty great to see some of the wild stuff you've done in your films, uh, improvisational stuff. Or at least it see it feels that way because it feels very organic. Is you know stuff where you would run up a wall, or you'd you'd use some sort of a stationary object and and, and do a, a pretty wild kind of stunt. So it's it's it, it adds something as a viewer, I can say, and that's before. Uh, Sammy and, and Matt is uh, to see your face and and the same body moving versus someone's back doing something. Exactly, exactly, and that's and that's I think important. You know, I mean, that's I, I love Harrison Ford because he'll he'll get out there and you know get that close to you know hanging from a leather strap between a tank and a wall, <laughs> and you know get close to having being crushed so that the audience can see that it's him and his reaction. And, and, you know, that's, I think the, that's my job. So, you know, I, I appreciate that gentlemen. I really do. Uh, and, and I like to do as much as possible. Unfortunately, I'm getting a little bit older now, so perhaps, you know, might have to have a few people hit the ground for me instead. <laughs> but uh, that's just so I can, you know, keep working. Uh, but if, if I, the younger me, uh, you know, would be ready to hit the deck anytime. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that's, if you're hired to do that, and this was always going to bother me is that, you know, they would classify you and pigeonhole you. Oh, well, this is only, you know, this is only what you can do. You can only be like sort of an action fighter guy. And, you know, if you look at Jackie, Bruce, uh, and so many great, you know, action stars, they're, you know, they're, they're good actors. They're good martial artists, you know, because usually you get one of the two gifts, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. And I like to get as as dirty as I possibly can and, uh, but do it, you know, if it's going to make, if it makes sense or if it's going to work, uh, you know, there's no point in, 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 uh, making it happen if it's not, 
And sometimes, unfortunately, where I was in the world, there is nobody else to double me. So um, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Mm. So uh, I'm going to pad up and have that guy know where he's driving to, to emergency, and have all vehicles out of the way, please. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Uh, so we'll paint a picture for you. If you're if you're remaking an all Western version of uh, of Eastern Condors, uh, who is sort of the Mount Rushmore of Westerners doing martial arts and films that that you think could really pull it off? Wow, I mean, you know, you're talking about kind of like the Dirty Dozen of you know the, the Chinese uh, action film, right? But you know, oh, yeah. the scenario yeah. is very similar. Um. You know, it really would depend on what what the writer of this, you know, epic, you know, would want. Uh, so, so my Mount Rushmore, or you know, my wish list would would really depend on who's around, who's available, and who's right mm-hmm. for a character. And I would have to write the. You know what I mean? When I write, I have someone in mind, and that's most writers, most producers, most directors. They have someone in mind for that part. I I can't go there really with okay. For a couple guarantees is is there would be stunt guys that I know that can act that I would bring out that you nobody knows. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they they don't put their face on camera they put their ass and the elbows in the air so i'd grab them i'd grab scott adkins nice Mm -hmm. Uh, um um, if michael jai white wanted to i'd grab him yeah um let me see who else can i think of uh today jeff Jeff wincott maybe You know what? If he's still around, I would. He, I think he is one of the best actors of our genre, Jeff Wincott. Absolutely, he's good. I think, uh, above all, he is he is spot on. Yeah. the best of uh, actor of, of our genre. Yes, Jeff. Um, and then you know, just if if Tony Jaw would like to come and play, that would be cool. <laughs> uh, you know, it really would depend. On who is around and who is available. Now, I don't know if you know, but Dolph Lundgren, he is the genuine article. I mean, you know, he, I yeah. he's the fourth degree Kyokushinkai black belt. And I watched him and Bill Wallace go round and round in June. Superfoot. Superfoot was superfoot. Nice. Nice. And, um, you know, so I grabbed Dolph if he'd come and play too. I'd, I'd grab some guys that we haven't seen in a long time, and if if Donnie wanted to come and play, if Donnie Yen wanted to come play, cool, it, you know. And I don't want it to be a bunch of old guys either, you know. So that's <laughs> I'd say Scott, you know, and, and and whomever that I could grab. You know, some of these stunt guys that I know would be phenomenal, and would you know you wouldn't have to double them. Uh, yeah. You know, so you mm. really could get that kind of experience that you do with Eastern Condors, with Samo, with you know, with Yun Kuei in there too. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's in there yeah. in Eastern Condors. So um, it really would depend on the writing. But the, those those few that I mentioned, I would love to grab. 
And then honestly, it's about who's available and who who's right for the role. You know, if I were to because you, what you're asking me is as a director's question. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. So really would depend upon that. Very cool. Uh, I guess I'm up then. Um, yeah. What do we got here? Oh, uh, again, just sort of a, a question we figured we'd throw out, having worked in the circles you've worked in. Did you ever cross paths with, uh, we obviously know you've crossed paths with Cynthia, but you ever crossed paths with Michelle Yeoh, Cynthia Khan, or Yukari Yoshima? Um, uh, uh, Yoshima, I did not. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, we partied in Hong Kong. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. She was so cool. Um, incredible. And uh, Michelle, um, I believe we crossed paths as well, but, you know, it was a blur back then, especially in the calm. Oh, uh, yeah. But, um, no, Michelle was terrific and so down to earth and uh, a lot of guts. I mean, wow. You know, speaks oh, yeah. about Chinese women in general. <laughs> 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 a lot of guts. So, you know. Yeah, uh, so I did. I did. I never worked with them though. Would have been great. Mm. But, yeah, you, know, you, and I, you and Michelle would have been a, a fantastic, like a, a cop team up film would have been great with you two. Oh, would have loved that. Would have loved that. So just working in the cars. Nice. Hey, before we get into the three, one of the other questions we have or type thing we're going to do here toward the end, uh, I just got to ask because I was looking at your bio. Uh, you did some uh, some uh, acting training with Billy Drago. Is that yes, true? Yes, with Silvana <laughs> Bellardo and Billy Drago. And you know his stuff. See, first of all, I, I was blessed to learn the Stanislavski and the Meisner technique from a very gifted uh, teacher. Uh -huh. And um, that's all about you know ninety nine percent of acting is just listening. And then, you know, coming, you either personalize and substitute or identify with the character or you create, you know, whatever you need, your sense memory or this or that or the other thing. But, um, you know, so I'm, I'm lucky that I had that base. Uh, but Billy Drago was the, you know, sort of the, and Silvana Gallardo, they had this, it was almost culty, the, uh, their method. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we would do these exercises and we would get to this place where, you know, you, you really are dealing honestly with some darkness. So I didn't stay with that method um, and light, but, you know, you really getting a little bit too heavy into it because I'm not a method actor. Mm -hmm. I'm an actor actor, you know, right, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it's like um, Michael Caine saying to Dustin Hoffman, you know, after he's been up for three days, you know, in uh, Marathon Man, you know, Dustin, why don't you just act, you know, and, <laughs> and you've got Laurence Olivier telling you that. So, yeah, you know, it, so the thing is, is that, yes, I studied with them because, again, you know, always trying to see and push the envelope, find if there's find out, you know, if there's something more that I can pull out of myself and, you know, go to these places. And, you know, frankly, there's, again, a man's got to know his limitations. There's just some things that I can't do. Like, for example, 
you know, Matt Damon is, I guess, in this new film coming out about Liberace, you know, and he's, mm. you know, he's kissing whatever, you know, he's an act, he's a real actor. I mean, he's not gay, but, you know, I mean, there's some things like as an actor, you've got to be ready to do. And I, I, I can't, you know, mm. and, and I'm not bashful in saying that I, I can't do it. Mm. So, you know, that experience was phenomenal. Because it gave me, uh, you know, a window into a method, but it was a little bit too dark and a little bit too creepy, honestly, um, their, their way. So I went back to my roots, to the basics, to the Stanislavski uh, and Meisner technique, um, you know, being truthful in an imaginary circumstance. So, and, uh, and listening. And then the disciplines of, uh, and that we don't see a lot of anymore in, in acting where I would do sight reading. I would relax my body. I wouldn't scrunch my face up or, you know, my, my forehead is, if you watch a lot of really great actors, except for De Niro, De Niro can, you know, make scrunch his face up as much as he wants. <laughs> you know, seriously, you know, yeah. uh, you know, that's, but there are certain disciplines that, you know, basically, if you're an actor and you're looking at yourself, there are certain things you need to do and to improve just your overall. And, and uh, my first coach, he said it best. He said, well, you know, Lauren, just be boring. You know, D don't try so hard, but be in the moment, mm -hmm. be able to transition and listen. If you listen, then, you know, you will you'll be there and cause then you're not acting, you're being it. And that's the, that's the, that's the key. And I had that base before I got started. So that was huge. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and that was all because I sucked at it when I went and tried out, I don't know, I was helping to paint my doctor's house to pay my bill, uh, with a bunch of other guys who couldn't pay their bill. And one of the guys, <laughs> seriously, one of the guys was uh, an actor. He's like, Lauren, you ought to come to my acting class, man. You know, I think you'd be really good. So I went, there's 12 people and a guy, and uh, he asked me, you know, if I'd like to read a scene. And I'm standing in front of, you know, 11 or 12 other people shaking like a leaf. And I thought to myself, okay, this is not right. I need to dive into this. And if anything, the takeaway is, is I'll be able to be a better public speaker. Hmm. I'll learn something about myself. And so I dove into it. And it just so happens that, you know, I've got a chance to, to actually use it. So that's uh, that I have uh, Alan Landers to thank for. Actually, his real name was Alan Levine. Um, he, he was Joe Penny's coach. He was uh, some TV star from way back when, but anyway, terrific base that I had. So just very fortunate to, you know, that serendipitously, you know, I met this guy. And serendipitously, I'm at the karate studio and pick up the phone. You know, I mean, it's just uh, you know the beginning of the ride. Right, ninety nine percent of life is showing up. So yeah, yeah, it's true. That's very cool. Um, I think that we just got the, the one or the other. Do you guys want to just run this off? You know, we'll take turns again, or what do you want to yeah. do here, guys? Yeah, sure. Okay, sure. 
Um, okay, so this one is just basically one or the other. You don't have to expand unless you feel the need to, Lauren. We're just these are kind of more uh, one of those things where we want to want to hear who who you dig in this sort of this one or that one category. As someone who who we you know we look up to as a, a cinematic hero. So, um, Samo or Jackie? Oh, jeez, that's terrible. I know, I know it is. <laughs> that's, that's not fair. Okay, first of all, both of them brilliant. Jackie for his incredible comedic ability. Samo for his incredible technique. Yeah, hard-hitting. For a man his size to be able to move and do what he does with a stool or with a oh my god, yeah. a stick or with a, a anything. And then Jackie, the same thing. I mean, but Jackie is always trying to, you know, make it humorous and make it more and bigger. And, you know, working with guys that work with him, like Vincent Lynn, for example, he, he and I are still really good friends. And he'd be like, you know, Warren Jackie would just be like, you know, he'd make you feel stupid, you know, trying to do something, you know, jump from this little tiny uh, rock over to this hole in the wall and, you know, up onto this tree or something. You'd just be like, oh, it's just like this. You know, you just go, da, 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 and, you know, <laughs> make you feel stupid because you can't do it. But so that's, I don't know. I, I would have to say um, because of his uh, technique, Samo. Cool. Mm. Nice. Very cool. Um, Lao Karlong or uh, Chang Che? Jesus, here we go again. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I can't. I can't say. I really can't say in that, uh, between those two. So I'll, can I pass on that one? Yeah, sure. I, I'll say I'm I'm Lau Carlong, and I think Sammy is too. I don't Sam. know where you stand on that, Matt. Yeah, we're all no, we're all Lau Carlong guys here. I think more uh, his his the way he was able to shoot a lot of his uh, his choreography. I think there was more presentation there, as far as that's my opinion, anyway. I think I think I'm I'm gonna go with you guys. Mob rule. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh Golden Harvest or Shaw Brothers? Uh Golden Harvest. Nice. Uh, nice. Absolutely. Uh Shaw Brothers, you know, they all traded off. Uh they all used each other's people and mm -hmm. uh basically it's the triads that, you know, allowed it all to happen. Um, quick story about Siyun, uh, seasonal N G, he got beat up because he wouldn't let uh, one of the Shaw brothers or whatever used one of his actors that he had under contract. So, you know, that's just the way it worked over there. Uh, but Golden Harvest for sure. Absolutely. I mean, that, that drum sound. Dum, dum, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ooh, you were going to see some. Cool <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Um, where are we here? Yeah. Favorite Clint Eastwood film. Uh, yes, because I, I know you're a Clint guy, so that's that's. You know what? Okay, so are we talking as an actor or as an, a director? Or, or which era are we talking? Let's about? let's really let's do both. I want to. I'd like to hear your favorite acting performance from Clint Eastwood and your favorite directing. Oh, Jesus. Well, first of all, again, it's really. Uh, I, I just love Clint Eastwood. I could watch Clint Eastwood pick his nose. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I mean, the guy just has great presence, but it's got to be Dirty Harry. Nice. Cool. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because he broke the wall with, with that film. Um, he's so simplistic and, you know, so cool. And just, you know, do you feel lucky? Do you punk? I mean, gosh, when I was 
that age watching Clint, I was just, wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a director, I love almost every film that he's done, but of late, the most current, uh, you know, Gran Torino. Nice. Nice. So, so simple. But, you know, Clint is allowing himself, you know, the freedom to be real. Yeah. Uh, still be the hero. Be the old guy. Be who he is at the, at, at now. You know, mm-hmm. now as an actor, as a director, and again, you know, come across and make basically, you know, his co-stars in in those in the you know that kid that plays uh, I can't remember the, his name. The, his character. Yeah, the the boy next door. Yeah, boy next door. I mean. How do you try to act with Eastwood, you know? And, and, and then the kid is, you know, he's perfect for the role because mm-hmm. he is, you know, what he is. But Clint, you know, there's just so many, I hate to use this arty farty word, but so many colors and levels. There's so many subtle things that he does. Yeah. And he does them almost in every film, you know, he, he'll use the same stuff or whatever but he's just so great to watch i love everything that he does i I really do and everything back from the spaghetti westerns to you know uh, whether it's uh you know him and what is it the i don't know if it's the longest day or or no oh oh, um kelly's heroes yeah oh yeah i mean you know just he's just so freaking cool yeah. He is. Yeah. So, you know, bless his heart. And I guess he's, what, almost 80 now or something like that. So, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy's amazing. So I guess Dirty Harry and Grand Torino would be standouts. Um, and, um, you know, all of all of his early, you know, Good, Bad, and the Ugly. And, I mean, wow. Uh, just his entire career. Mm-hmm. Uh, brilliant. Hey, Lauren, any love for Thunderbolt and Lightfoot? Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Refresh my memory. It's uh, it's a real cool one. It's him and Jeff Bridges. Uh, they're they're gonna rob. They're gonna. I think it's a safe, and they put together a team. Uh, Gary, young Gary Busey's in it. Um, Jeff Bridges is kind of the young, eager guy, and Clint's a little more grizzled and seasoned. And it's basically a a buddy heist movie. There's some comedic touches, just like he did in the '70s. But if if you haven't seen it, we we reviewed it on the show a few years ago. Um, it's it's a really fantastic Clint film that kind of falls under the radar sometimes because it's not just sort of a, a Clint film. It's him and Bridges and Busey, and I, I think there's a few other good names. And I don't know if it's Frederick Forrest. There's a few other guys in it that are are pretty great to watch. Some old pros. So um, if you get I a chance to check it out, Jeffrey Lewis. Jeffrey remember, Lewis. That's right. I remember the title, but it's been many years since I, I've seen that film. And, and you know, when you think of it's you know the outlaw Josie Wales. It's yeah. um, you know him and the orangutan. I can't remember what whatever that was. Uh, <laughs> Every which way but loose. Every which way but loose. I mean, you know, you, you gotta love a guy like that. You know, oh, yeah. he's not afraid to uh, to to do something really cool. And it's so simple when he makes when he does things. It's you know he doesn't need a lot of fluff. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's just really. It's great to see that and to, to see Gran Torino and how simple it was and all of his pieces are character driven and that is just phenomenal. Yeah. So bless his heart. Very cool. Um, 
Maybe we just got one more. And again, this is kind of a left field question, but didn't know when we'd have the chance to ask this again of you. Three, and no shame in this because we all have them, three <laughs> absolute guilty pleasure films that you love, whether it's a romantic, whether they're romantic comedies or musicals, three guilty pleasures of yours that, you know, you, uh, you really like watching. Only three? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I mean... Uh, Probably one of my all-time favorites is The Man Who Would Be King. Oh, nice, nice. Good one. Uh, with Sean Connery and Michael Caine. I just think that's brilliant. Of course, it's Rudyard Kipling, so, you know, uh, great writing. Um, Dr. Zhivago nice. with nice. Arthur Reef. Uh, you know, David Lean, incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, probably uh, Little Big Man. Oh, nice. Nice. With uh, Dustin Hoffman. That's a, that's a great one. Of his portrayal. And they just showed it on Turner Classic Movies, and I missed it. But uh, I just love how he you know, transitions. And there's just so many other films that I just love great films. And so those are, as you can tell, sort of from a while ago. Uh, <laughs> But they had those films had an impact on me, and then you know musicals. I mean, Fiddler on the Roof, things like that. I mean, nice. Uh, you could go on and on, but uh, those are those are movies. And then as, as far as TV, which is you know again off another tangent question. I mean, I could watch oh, Ma- cool. I could watch Mash on a loop <laughs> all day, every day, different episodes. You know that kind of thing. So, nice. But uh, yeah, gentlemen, it's. Uh, there's so many great films. It's hard. And if you go way, way back, uh, you know, there's some Jap- you know, there's some foreign based films that I love. Um, there's one Japanese film that I cannot, I think it's called Tadeska Den. Um, or oh, least- that dream. Uh, that's uh, Akira Kurosawa. Kurosawa's film. film. Yeah. Great film. Great film. I mean, so, you know, there's a lot of other, you know, seven samurai. Nice pull, Lauren. Tedesco, that's a good film. I caught that actually, again, speaking of Turner Classic, I caught that, uh, I taped it off my, on my PVR maybe three, four months ago. Yeah, uh, cool. So, yeah. So, yeah, gentlemen, I mean, you know, more power to you for, you know, keeping the love alive uh, and, and the history and the, the paradigm of, of filmmaking, you know, in the present for, you know, us old farts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we yeah. want to th- we want to thank you, Lauren, just for being just for being you. I mean, without uh, people like you in our lives growing up as young men, uh, I mean, so people like you make us love cinema that much more. And we just want to thank you so much for that. It's my pleasure, gentlemen. My and pleasure. it's like it's like we said, Lauren. Remember, we, I you know to bring it full circle, we said it's nice to hear when your heroes are great people. It, it's nice to hear that Lauren Avedon's a great person because, you know, we all watched you growing up. We saw the box, King of the Kickboxers and, and, you know, all your other films. And to hear and to have you be so giving of your time uh, on a Saturday night for you, um, yeah. for us three here in, in Canada and, and uh, America, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure and, and a joy. And, and it's really, really been wonderful. It's been my pleasure, gentlemen. Absolutely, and hopefully there'll be uh, more more things that you see of me in the future that you'll be able to to go. Yeah, I talked to that guy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Take care, gentlemen, and to your fans and and uh, to to my fans. Thank you for the opportunity to 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 speak.
and um, you know, it's been great. It's been, it's been a pleasure. All right. There's uh, there is one thing, if we may, before you go, uh, we we have a a tradition on the show of closing our show with with adios. So uh, if we could, if we could ask of you to give us uh, an adios. Adios, muchacho. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Nice. Aaron's going to love that. Yes, he is. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Adios. Thanks. Adios. Adios. (laughs) Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. Take care. Have a good night, Lauren. You too, brother. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206 666-5207 and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com